he done? Yeah. Doug Hughley. Mr. Deegan's class. Doug, hi. What is up, you old goat? How you doing, man? Good, man. I haven't seen you in a long time. You know how much homework I missed because of you? I loved your radio show. That was the best. Thanks, man. You know what? We're throwing down tonight over on Aloha Street. Yeah, we've got two bands. It's going to be insane. Would you get up and do a little wheel to steel? Oh, no, no. Are you sure? Yeah. You're the only man I know who can mix up Elvis Costello and Public Enemy. What's so funny about peace, 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 loving under peace, 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 death row? What does a brother understand? Peace, peace, you're the best, man. You are the king. You are the king. You gotta be there, man. You must be there. Of course, you may be busy. Playboy interview with Jeremy Piven a while back, and he, he came across as a really grounded, normal guy. And they asked him about, like, so what's this business about you humping Lindsay Lohan? And he, uh... Jeremy, you should talk to Brad the Car Guy about Jeremy Piven, or somebody distinct, really? legally distinct from Brad the Car Guy. <laughs> well, okay. Who's maybe perhaps met said person in real life, and they can tell you... Note to self. Uh, I dig that guy, though. You know, and he is responsible All for two of the greatest Cameron Crowe moments, though. Uh, that... And then the by choice, you must man. Fire for keys. That too. That too. You must choose. I have hidden your keys. Oh man, I love Jeremy Piven. All right. Anyway, now I sound like Wesley Snipes in Demolition Man. I love that guy. All right. Uh, hey, it's three minutes and eighteen seconds after the hour of eleven. In this, the month of February. Every moment's an adventure. I was just watching Tim attempt to drink some hot coffee. It's 503-733-2970. The month of February in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the... Oh. <laughs> We're live from the plushly appointed, I feel like such a jerk, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. You'd be a jerk if it was permanent. Here's the... Here's here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Tim can't move the right side of his face today. It quite literally. He, he, he didn't. He didn't have a it's stroke. Left. Is it the left side? Yeah, and that's the stroke side, isn't it? Welcome well, to New Year's Rocky Eve. <laughs> Can you drop the music just a hair? This so so Tim is here. I had a stroke and I. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, all over again. <laughs> Ryan Seacrest will be filling with them. Thanks, Dick. That's that's so right, Dick. Oh. Wow, that's an unpleasant window into the future. You know, we're all going to end up looking like that someday, but for real. It's going to happen someday when I'm sitting in here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the best part was Sarah translating earlier. Tim was. Is this going to end up in a promo? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Tim. Um, right as the show was starting today, um, Tim was making some comment about Barack Obama, and Tim said, I have to simulate it by holding the left. About Barack Obama. 
And I sort of got it. But then Sarah looked over at me and said, about Barack Obama. Like she was sort of doing it, like passing it along, translating for me. Oh, and it's only Tuesday. I should recover the butter now. That's what you said now or ago. You know? <laughs> I hope it's not permanent. <laughs> I, am writing the, I am writing the Max Holmes. We'll feel bad for laughing. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, Tim, a positive mental attitude is key for these things. It is. Also, I understand it's important that you get some sort of a red rubber ball to squeeze while you're laying in your hospital gurney. Oh, a robe with the back open. A robe with the back open. Thank you. <laughs> oh, all right, then. I felt fine when I woke up this morning. Did you go to the dentist this morning or was it last night? No, this morning. This morning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, if it was last night, there would be a problem. Like, let's give me first. Did you any experience any numbling? Numbling. <laughs> any numbling? <laughs> numbling? Numbing of the of the fingers or extremities, Tim? Uh, see, the judge doesn't work when I say numbling. It all kind of falls apart there. Jesus, I have no excuse. Uh, hi. Anyway, it's uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is Tuesday, and uh, welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, you want, you should join us today with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your what have you, your odds, your ends, you're somewhere in between. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T. At 970.am, uh, Richie uh, Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the whatever. Uh, here's what's coming up today. Uh, a big show today. Peter Carlin for the Oregonian will be joining us. We were going to get to him yesterday, and then oh, the spam thing. That's right. The, the spam finalists came in yesterday, and that was really cool. Um, uh, so those guys were all really great. And uh, our man Dave ended up taking the uh, the grand prize. Everybody else gets some nice parting gifts, but that was a cool thing. You can see a picture of the winning spam sculpture at my uh, site at rickemerson.com. Uh, so today, though, we'll get Peter Carlin. We'll have like, you know, some, probably some final thoughts on the Grammys. Uh, writer's strike, which I think they're voting today. Today or tomorrow, Tim? Today. All right, today. So and I got a little timeline that we'll read later about when your favorite shows might be back on the air. Uh, somebody actually did like like a blow-by-blow blow each different program about when they might be returning to the television airwaves. Uh, so we'll get that. Uh, let's see. Carl Click from K2 joining us in the studio later on as well. Steve Kastenbaum from New York City where... The dog thing is... Man, i got to tell you this. You go to Yahoo uh, News, and Yahoo has this feature that lets you see the most read stories, the most forwarded news stories, the, the stories that people send to other people the most. And then you can also see this thing where it's um, the most viewed pictures. And usually it's a combination of large bosoms or, like, horrific accidents. Like, there'll be a guy with a pole through his eye and then a woman in a bikini. And those are, like, those are the photographs that always get viewed on Yahoo. Today, it's all dog photos. Every one of them... Photos of cutesy, fluffy little dogs covered in rhinestones running around an astroturf circle. So, anyway, that's today. Uh, Steve Kathamon. And then uh, Lisa Desjardins. Uh, she is uh, here today covering the Potomac primaries. It is primary day in Virginia, Maryland, and the District of Columbia. So, uh, anyway, blah, 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 blah. And we'll talk about Mike Huckabee and so forth. Uh, plus today's top five I hold right here in my hands. We've spun the wheel of time. On what year and week did we land? 
We'll have to wait to find out. It's all very gripping. I thought we were doing Madonna top five. I was going to, and then I can get it put together, though. Uh, so that's fine, though, because then it's the, the three of us, because... I don't really know like Scott Daly's a big Madonna fan or anything. So we've, we can start it with tomorrow. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, Sarah, Tim, and myself, I don't know, maybe in that order, uh, we'll do our favorite uh, top five Madonna songs each. So it's not just me. So like Sarah can do her top five Madonna songs. Tim, top five Madonna songs. Me, top five Madonna songs. That'll finish out the week. Uh, but today we'll do this other thing from 1989. Um, let's see. And finally, uh, I guess that's it. Oh, and they found him. We've got like three different great horrific stories from Bremerton. So there you go. Mm-hmm. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Mm-hmm. Working on the following stories for your edification is newsman Tim Riley. A woman crashes into a PGE substation, knocking out parts of power to the southeast. Can you tell? No. No, no, you, no Dick. You sound great. A rock slide closes down a road leading to the St. John's Bridge. A Bremerton woman deposits a strange substance into her ATM. A foul odor at a Bremerton microwave couldn't have had a more unpleasant source. Then Paris Hilton's little brother is arrested for DUI in Malibu. You kind of, here's the thing with that voice, you sort of sound like someone, like a character from the, but I can't put my finger. Yeah, he sounds like, he sounds like the priest from a princess bride. Marriage (laughs) is what brings us together today. Say this, Tim. Yes. Say, marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage is what brings us together today. There's a little, there's something there. there you're you're onto it there. Yeah. But good, bring me a contract and I'll sign it. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Uh, uh, well, well uh, before we do anything, hello, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, may I speak with Mr. Kirk Douglas, please? No, that's a cruel thing to hey, say, sir. Yes. Hey, listen, you got to have him do that top five as Dick Clark before that stuff wears off. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye. That's right, Dick. All right. Uh, joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, we've, Sarah and I have tried really hard. You left the room. For like seven seconds not to laugh. I, well, I had to. I had some things to do. Also, I just kept laughing. And it made me feel like a bad person. I made sure to clear it with Tim before I started laughing. I'm like, no, are you okay with me laughing at you? And he said, yes. I'm like, okay. Now, the funny thing is that Sarah and I both came to the same observation about three seconds apart in different rooms, which is, it looks just like Tim's had a stroke. <laughs> so, which I guess this is more or less the external symptomology of that. I just want to be treated like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> no, you sound fine, Dick. <laughs> wow. Let's count down to the dropping of the ball in Times Square, shall we? Where's my lovely wife? <laughs> and you know what makes it even more perfect is you're leaving to, you're leaving one of your arms totally immobile while you talk. Oh man! Wow! <laughs> it seems wrong to exploit this while it lasts, but <laughs> Aaron might have nailed it. Yes. Zoidberg. Maybe. If only I wasn't I so poor and lonely. Now Zoidberg is the king. We're not going to make Tim start saying phrases for everybody's amusement. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've run out of Dick Clark observations to make. Wow. Uh, anywho, 
It's 503-733-2970. Thank you all for uh, for coming by. Uh, we're joined today, uh, of course, by Richie Bristol in the other room, who has a brief technical question to ask. Let me if I can just... Uh, where's my... It's called Sex Panther. By Odeon. By Odeon. Uh, Richie Bristol on Trip at PA. Hello, Richie. How are Good you today? Morning. Hi. How's life? How are things? Oh, well, okay. All right. Excellent. So this is. Uh, so you came by the office today, and you had a technical question that I cannot answer, but that I know many people in the audience will be able to uh, to lend some uh, some light to, and that is. It, first of all, when you say we, how many guys live at your house? Uh, me and my brother. Okay, so just just the two of you. Yeah. Is it true that the two of you together own three different Xboxes? Yeah, and my other buddy. But... Why is wow. why do you own three Xboxes? Because we don't want to share. <laughs> we, it's like we don't want to take turns. We want to play. You know, we play online and uh, we, we want to play at different times, different games. Okay. Uh, and so, what you have? You have three different Xboxes. Any other game systems? Uh, well, regular Xbox. Of course. Uh, no. Yeah. What was I thinking? But no PSP. No. No, we're not. I'm All not right. a Sony PlayStation. All right. Okay. Uh, so, but so Richard came in today and explained that one. This is one of your 360s has the quote. Red Ring of Death. Yes. The Red Ring of Death is this thing, and I thought that only happened on like first generation 360s. Did you buy it? Is this one you bought like when they first came out? Uh, no. Because I thought that that stopped one. happening, but apparently that's like the blue screen of death on a Windows PC, but it just can never be fixed. Yeah. Like when the Red Ring of Death happens, it just stops working altogether. How much you pay for your 360? I don't know. It was 400 bucks. Yeah. So, uh, and, and at some point. It's this thing where all of the lights on the front panel, they just go, they turn red, which is like that. Anytime like a big red light appears on most of your electronics, that's a bad sign. Unless it's recording something, it means that something inside the device has caught fire and will never work properly again. So you have the red ring of death in the front of your Xbox. What happens now when you put the game in? Uh, different things, different times. I mean, I take the hard drive out and I start it and it works. And uh -huh. I plug the hard drive in, it maybe works sometimes, maybe doesn't work sometimes. Can you get through an entire game? No. I, I play online with a lot of our listeners now. Uh, we play online That's and right. I just walk up right in the middle of the game and basically... Uh, these are the listeners that you're not encountering at bars as part of the Pimp Squad or at Swingers Clubs while you're treating women to the pleasures of no, produce. We, we got a PDX clan. Oh God! Don't don't. First of all, I think referring to yourself as being part of quote any kind of clan is probably a bad mm, idea. Well, but okay, so this is uh, so you you go on as as yourself and there are listeners who have who have sought you out or found you. Yeah. What yeah. is your game of choice when you're on Xbox Live? Uh, Call of Duty. Okay, that's the one everybody talks about. That and Bioshock. Uh, everybody's telling me I got to start playing BioShock when I'm done with uh, when I'm done with Halo. I, it's like a, some weird zombie first-person shooting thing. Anyway, uh, so if you have so it is Richie at 970 a.m. because you wanted yeah. to know about the Red Ring of Death and what what here's what what you want to know is whether you are hosed. Yeah. Whether you were completely hosed. It's been under a year. My guess, by the way, is that yes, unless you bought some sort of a, did you buy an extended service contract? Heck no. <laughs> extended <laughs> warranty, anything like that? No. Then I think at the very, this is just my guess, I think at the very minimum, you're going to have to be sticking that thing in a box and sending it back. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, which is fine, because that, that's what you'll have to do when your iPhone goes bad, by the way. So get used to it now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, Dante, the cab driver here. Yes. Do not send the Xbox back. I can fix it. There is a fix. I, I like where this is depth, going. Uh huh. And there is nothing to worry about. So this is. So what is it caused by this so-called red ring of death on the Xbox? Yeah, it's caused by the CPU overheating and separating from the uh, solder connections on the board. Are you making this up, sir? Or the graphics processor? No, I'm not. 
I'm dead serious, and for about the cost of, for under 10 bucks, it can be easily fixed. Richie, the now, question really remains, <laughs> do you this, feel comfortable having a cab driver fix your Xbox? He can take me to no send it somewhere. No, <laughs> he can pick me up and drop me at Best Buy. You can fix Hang it that there. way. Hang on. If you, if you go to my blog, which I will be happy to give you off air, uh-huh. it, will, uh, it will show you what I have done with my Xbox 360. And I purchased the thing for a hundred bucks because some guy's dog peed on it. Cleaned it up, got the red ring of death off of it, <laughs> and it has worked no problem ever since. Audience of sophisticates and nothing but. All right, um, I'll tell you what. Drop him an email. It's Richie at nine seventy dot am. All right, All right, no thank problem. You. Bye. All right. Doesn't the warranty like if you open it up, you like? No, you can. You, that's the thing is, if you open it up, your host, whatever small chance you had of Microsoft fixing it, you crack the. And that's going to be like with my Verizon phone, where I tried to lie to them, and I. This is when I dropped my. Uh, like two cell phones ago, I dropped my phone into a cup of coffee. I, had, I have one of those huge-ass Gilmore Girls coffee mugs that's, you know, it's massive. It's like the size of a plate. And so I was up in the morning, kind of just half asleep, coffee cup sitting down at the desk, filled with steaming hot coffee. I get out, I check my voicemail. Phone, it was like a tiny little phone, <clears throat> slips out of my hand, falls into the mug of coffee. And what do I immediately do? My hand comes speeding after it like an intercept missile. And, of course, my hand goes into the coffee cup to fish up a cell phone. I immediately burn all four fingers and my thumb. I, I pull out my hand. I go, Argh! and then what do I do like Homer Simpson because the phone is still in the coffee cup? I reach my hand back into the coffee cup, burn my hand a second time. Finally, I just grab the coffee cup and I dump the coffee into my wastebasket, reach in, grab the phone. Phone totally dead. I take it to the Verizon store, and what and what do I say? Like every idiot who has somehow damaged his merchandise, I take it to the Verizon store after drying it out, and I go, I don't know. It just quit working. Like I, which clearly, which is like obviously a lie. And so the guy, without hesitation, takes the phone from me, opens up the back, and I guess there's a little dot inside that turns red if it's been exposed to water. So I go in and I try to peddle my fiction of, I don't know how it broke. I went to bed and it was fine. When I woke up, it no longer functioned, sir. He, he opens it up and he goes, yeah, it's been exposed to water. It's not going to work anymore. You can buy a new one for $200 over there. He just he wasn't having any of it. So, But, yeah, if you open your Xbox up and try to fix it, Microsoft will laugh at you. You try to get it fixed with them. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? What's hey, up? Hey, Richie. This is Dane. Hey, Dane. Oh, this is Grouchy hey. Tiger. Grouchy hey. Jaguar. Yep, oh, please me. tell me, please tell me that a guy just didn't call up with his Earth name and you didn't recognize, you didn't like know his gamer tag offhand. <laughs> I did. Grouchy Tiger, yeah. Grouchy Jaguar. Oh, whatever. All right. I'm yes. The yes I, I'm the yes I am. Uh, yes I'm antisocial guy. How can we help you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I was wondering how long Richie had his box because if it's over a year old, once he's dead anyway. So that hasn't been. A year. No, it's less than a year old. Less than a year old. Yeah. Well, and Tim, I feel for you because when I go to the dentist, they have to give me a minimum of three shots to numb my mouth. That's exactly what I got. Yeah, though, it's a, it, it, I think it's ever so slightly better just since we last talked to you, Tim. That's well, the show. <laughs> no, the, no, I'm the sorry, show no. makes people feel a lot better. I think those wishful thinking. <laughs> I just for some reason I want to hear you sing the girl from Ipanema. I don't know why. Um, no, he's had his Xbox for less than a year, so should he just box it up and send it back to Microsoft? Yeah, he should, because one of our buddies from California actually got a brand new one back with a month, uh, three-month subscription. Yeah, well, and do you have a subscription? Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. So they, probably, they might want to keep you as a customer, so they might just, you know, at least, you know, either comp you or just or give you a discount. How long would that take, though? 
Well, I don't uh, set it, it off. Six six it only, you know who I'm talking about, Jason. <laughs> all right. We have to go. Bye. Jesus. Uh, all right. Don't start. Finally, I'm just saying. Look, you know what? It, Sarah, we are in the wheelhouse of the 18 to 44 year old American male right now. Uh, I are on the Rick Emerson show. Then we'll take this to be the final call about Richie's Xbox. And this is a 25 year old, by the way. Um, See? Okay, Sarah. Attention, uh, sales department and marketers. But, right uh, I just like to think that some people have different interests. I hope to God that every person from 18 to 44 doesn't sit at home and play video games every night. Not at all. Some of them are watching Mythbusters. <laughs> some collect stamps. Um, no, I would say definitely send it off because I had to do the same thing, and it didn't really take that long at all. And you'd be better off doing it that way than having somebody open it up and, you know, break the whole warranty. That's thing. the thing is because if you send it off to Microsoft, all they can say is, well, look, it's not fixable, so you're going to have to buy a new one, or and we're going to charge you to fix it. And if it's and if if it's more than you want to pay, they can send it back, and then you can have some guy take a crack at it with a soldering iron and like a glue gun or something. But right. if you do and that first and it doesn't work, you are hosed with Microsoft. They will never fix it for well, you. Well, see, and I didn't get the extended warranty, but they still uh, they still honored it because it was like a big recall. So they yeah. totally honored. That's thing. the other thing is that Red Ring of Death is a known glitch. It's a known. Uh, Seamus had that problem, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, was a, it was a known problem where with that first batch of 360s that rolled off. You would you would get about 50 hours into the use of it, and suddenly, and it would just freeze, and like you would never be able to get through a game all the way without a lock. Oh, and up, then so. a, and then a quick little segue onto uh, Tim with his uh, dental thing, yes. and then uh, also about yesterday with the whole name of that sergeant. Uh huh. Um, my mom used to work for a dentist named Dr. Harry Johnson. Okay. <laughs> this can be the only call. Of What's it? And I'm out. Okay. There you go. That's my daddy. He's demented. <laughs> All right. Jesus. All right. So that would be my advice to you, Richie. Uh, <laughs> don't mock Tim. Haku, <laughs> 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 what? He's not there right now. <laughs> An Asian Tim. Haku. <laughs> I'm not going to try to mock that. <laughs> Richie Bristol, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Richie. All right. There you go. Jesus. All right. It's 503 733 2970. I don't think I have anywhere to go from there, uh, except to say, let's see, a couple of things. Um, it seems like I had something from last night that I wanted to talk about, but it, it, it's all, I think it's all been washed away in a sort of sea of facial paralysis and nerd. Uh, all right, so we might as well take a break here. We get back, uh, we will talk about a, a couple of things that have cropped up in the inbox interview-wise. Um, uh, let's see, we've got Lisa coming up, uh, Steve Kassenbaum later on today, uh, Peter Carlin, Carl Click, Top 5, all that. Stand, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't... It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This is actually, Jesus, really? God, what a weird day this already is. So Richard just forwarded to me something that I'm really torn on. Remember our good friend, Dr. Elmo? He of the, oh, yeah, he sent that to me. So, I, I haven't we listened to it. Him. I don't think we are, but it's, it's, a, it's a Dr. Elmo of Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer fame in all its many incarnations. Apparently he now has a Valentine's Day song, because why not? Yeah, I don't think we're going to play that. Thank you, Richie. Richie is sort of a... Um, you know what he is? Richie's like one of those... Um, this is the only analogy I can come up with, so I apologize. By the way, Richie, I hate to be uh, asking you to do this. Would you go grab... I just printed something to Becca's, to the promotion printer. It's from... Um, 
It's an article from uh, uh, from Film School Rejects. I just found one down the hall. Really? I mean, toward the printer. Oh, okay. I really? Yeah. I hadn't even finished the sentence. Scotty who? Mm. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, I'm glad I used my power for good. But the only the only analogy I can come up with is Richard's like one of those crabbing nets that fishermen drop off the uh, off the coast, like you know, like uh, off the coast of Nantucket or something. Where it's not really that they it's not really that they catch like lobster or crabs, or they just sort of catch everything and then he sort it out. That's kind of what Richie is, you know. He comes back and like one day it's hey, would you like to talk to Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica? And the next day it's like, Hey, here's a song by Doctor Elmo. Thank you so much, Richie. Um all right, in any event. So we're not gonna do that. Uh it's uh five oh three and it's absolutely hilarious. <sighs> what yeah. do you what do you, really what do you think the odds of that I don't are? See that happening. I mean the guy's like hundred and fifty. Um, all right, so uh, we'll, before we talk to Lisa here, we'll do this thing about the writer's strike, because they've got this definitive list of, I guess it's when all of your shows are coming back, or when programs are expected to come back to the air. Uh, about Richie's Xbox, though, there are funny, some funny emails about this. Like Aaron says, um, since the Xbox is made by Microsoft, why does an insert blank uh, color of death surprise you at all? Everything Microsoft makes does at some point do that, though, where, they, where like there's some, and it's always the blank Something of death, blue screen of death, red red ring of death, like viscous green haze of death. Every single thing that comes out of Redmond, Washington, eventually does implode in that fashion. Uh, somebody else notes that Tim sounds exactly like Droopy Dog. That's really true. Uh, somebody else says Tim sounds like Walter Cronkite, blah, 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 blah. And um, there you go. Okay, I have to be honest. I yeah. just listened to like the first 20 seconds. Of Please the tell me it's not funny. The thing is, if you say it's funny, then we're going to have to listen to it. Is it funny in a in a funny way, or is it funny in a Jesus? I can't believe we're taking up time and bandwidth with this kind of way. I don't know. I just heard the first. I kind of. This is the Valentine's Day song by Doctor Elmo. It's pretty bad. All right, and then I've got a little bit of good news for Richie on his Xbox thing. Then we'll reach this thing about the TV strike. All right. Uh, well, go ahead. All right. Fine. Just a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Doctor Elmo. And a Valentine's Day recording. From the moment that I spied her in her long black dress, my emotion for her potion had no end. She was the most bewitching wizard as she grabbed me by my gizzard and I'll never lead a normal life again. I don't understand what this scariest thing I'll ever do in all my life will be to ask her if she'd like to be my wife. I don't understand what this I don't is about. Know which is more frightening. I can't guess if she says no. Or she says, yeah, the scariest thing I'll ever do, I'll do tonight. We're never, no, okay, no, we're done that. with that. That's, that's a thing we don't need to hear. All right. Uh, well, Jesus, you know, I'm looking at this article about, uh, about the television shows, and it looks like it's actually not, it's actually just that only the first page of this will print for some reason. So I have to do the thing of, which shouldn't make any difference, but I have to do the thing of reading it off the website, which I hate doing. Uh, okay, so this is, uh, and we, because I guess the writer's strike is the vote is happening tomorrow or something, and then they're going to figure out when they're coming back. But I was looking at this article, and this is interesting because not only is it sort of an update on when programs will be coming back on the air, but it is sort of an overview of what's on television now. And it's sort of a microcosm of the thing I've been saying, that th there now is no commonality 
uh, among all of us, but what television shows we watch, because there's just so many channels and there's just so much crap on the air that there is, no, except for American Idol, sadly, there is no one show that everybody watches. Because, of, like, did you watch... Did you, uh, it's kind of one of those days, isn't it? Uh, it's like when they were doing the Grammys the other night, and, and I don't necessarily think this is just because I'm 35. I think a lot of it is just because there are so many outlets for music. But I remember at one point they were reading the nominees for, like, best... It's like best new artist or best pop, and Lauren and I realized that we didn't know a single one of them. Like, and the nominees for best pop recording are, and I think in the five nominees, I think we knew Justin Timberlake or somebody. I think that was it. Everybody else completely unknown to us. And I talked to a lot of people who felt the same way. Yeah, that I'm they just had pop culture, like musically, like what's cool in music. I just had no idea. Like I'm anyway. So that's what it is with this. So this is a brief rundown of shows that are going to be back on the air. So let's just do an overview of. Which of these shows any of us watches? So, 24. I mean, I, we don't watch that, but I know people do. So, 24 is expected to return this fall. Jesus, this fall or January 09. God, oh. this is really screwing people. It's like a full year. So, this is effectively just putting everybody on that Soprano schedule, where it's like three years between seasons. Uh, 30 Rock. Five or ten new episodes to begin airing in May. Um, back to you. Future... To be determined. I think that means they. Uh, I think it means they're going to be put on the shelf until something else gets canceled and they need a replacement. This is pretty funny. Bionic Woman. No new episodes expected ever. The, Bionic Woman was another one of those programs they were trying to put out in the wake of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, with, they were taking some old franchise and reinventing it to be dark and edgy, and sometimes that's successful, and sometimes it's you know not. Uh, the Big Bang Theory. I don't even know what that is. What, is the, yeah, is the Big Bang Theory like that thirty-something show? Oh, expected I don't know. to what, shoot like one of those like brothers and sisters shows. I think it might be like that. Uh, by the way, brothers and sisters, four or five new episodes expected to air in April or May. Uh, let's see, um, Bones. That's the David Boreanaz show. Uh, they're unclear about whether that will air at all again this year. Chuck, no new. What is Chuck? You know, I'm confusing Chuck with Dexter. <laughs> what a weird conversation. Chuck, I think is the. Um... Is that the nerdy guy who secretly works for the CIA? Yes. All right. And he has like a big, you know, breasted like cohort that you that he works with. Like all with. computer nerds do. Of course. So no new episodes till fall. Cold case, uh new episodes April or May. Criminal Minds, April or May. CSI, April or May. CSI Miami, CSI Jesus, CSI New York, all of those April or May. Desperate Housewives, May. Uh ER to be determined. Uh let's see. Friday night lights, no new episodes this season, future to be determined. I'm just skipping up some of the ones that I've never heard of, like what about ones that we care about? Like Gossip Girl. Sarah, Gossip oh, Girl? That's a huge show. Is it really? Who watches Gossip Girl? The entire East Coast. <laughs> Everyone. My sister even actually watches that show. What is it about? Uh, it's just about... Is it like dirt? Is it like that? Is it like no, it's that? like a bunch of uh, it's like rich uh, Manhattan socialites. Well, there's going to be nine new episodes in June. I bet there'll be many excited people. <sighs> Grey's Anatomy, thank God. Uh, April and May. Heroes to be determined. Um, Jericho, seven episodes remained. No new additional episodes. Uh, this We'll get to Lisa here in just one second. Uh, Lost, six pre-strike episodes remained. Six additional episodes could air this season. Ah. <laughs> remains to be determined. Um, My Name is Earl, eight or two and then, uh, new episodes in April or May. New adventure. See, and then there's programs that were still on the air but that I thought had been canceled. Like The New Adventures of Old Christine. Is that Christina is that? Applegate? 
Oh, my God, it is. Is that, is that her or is that Brooke Shields? I think it's Christina Applegate. No, Brooke Shields is in that terrible new um, movie by the by people who wrote Sex in the City. Seven pre-strike episodes remain. New adventures. And I thought that that was one of those programs that had come and then gone away because no one watched it, but apparently not. Uh, oh, Brooke Shields is in Lipstick Jungle. That's what it's called. Oh, that, oh man, I heard that's terrible. It looks so All bad. the reviews of that make and it look like the keep worst thing ever. I associated with Sex in the City because of that course. was such a good show. And it's like, no, it's not. It has like one person who was kind of associated with the cast. It's not from everybody from Sex in the City. Oh, no, no, no. You, welcome, to, welcome to my world where it's a whole lot of like... You know, from one of the guys who knew somebody who stood on the set of Clerks. I mean, that's that's exactly the geek world has, has had to endure that forever, where they'll do, uh, you know, from the executive producer of or, you know, mm-hmm. from the brother-in-law who directed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome over from the hill. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you, sister? Hello, how are you guys? I am fantastic. How's, How's the Potomac primary? The Potomac primary. That's all very exciting and incredibly important. Yes. Are you being sarcastic? Oh, well, uh, yeah. well, remains <laughs> to be seen. Remains to be seen. I, uh, okay, so let me, let me ask you this, just because I'm not very smart about things like this. So, in the grand scheme of things... Uh, compared to the, you know, the, the, the compared to the primary slash caucus we just had, and some of the ones coming up, where does today fall in the cruciality scale? Hmm. I'd say this is on a sweet sixteen level for the NCAA March Madness. I don't know what that means. Oh, darn it. Uh, okay, let me try another one. Um, this would be uh, this would, this would be the second part of a three part trilogy. Okay, there you go. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's why we love you. All right, wonderful. Um, and so how? Um, okay, I get so many questions about this. Yes. So the so uh, Clinton and Obama can continue to be just neck and neck and you know, dead heat and all of this. Um, but there is there is this uh, and i think everybody would acknowledge this just the gut sense just the palpable sense that the longer this goes on the more it favors obama you know i don't know i don't i don't have that same sense it's possible i think that obama has right now he's got a good a good little potential run he's got maryland and dc that look like they're going to go his way virginia may also go his way today then next up, a week from today, we've got Wisconsin. That's where Obama is actually flying to right now. Uh, you can bet Clinton's on her way as well. And, and that, that'll be a test. If Obama's able to do well in Wisconsin, and also Hawaii's got a vote uh, next week, too, you can bet. He, and he's going to, that's his home state. He'll, he's likely to do well there. So if he can do well in these next two weeks, then he'll set himself up for the next big, they're calling it almost Super Tuesday. I, I don't think that works. they got to find a new phrase, I think. Uh, March 4th, that's when we've got Ohio and Texas, as well as Vermont and Rhode Island. I, I think if Obama can do well these next two weeks, that sets him up, and, and he could possibly, possibly finish up with Ohio and Texas if he has big wins there. But if he doesn't, then, then we have a longer race. And I think at that point, if the race keeps going, it could actually start swinging back toward Hillary Clinton because the next big race after that, we've got Wyoming. Who knows what will happen there, but I think Hillary Clinton could do well there uh, just from the people that are that hate everyone talking about Dick Cheney and their state. Uh, Mississippi, I don't think people are going to pay a lot of attention to that, but the next big one's all the way in April, April 22nd, Pennsylvania. That could be good for Clinton. So I honestly think a longer race helps 
Hillary because right now she's she's having a, a problem. Right now is when she needs to get through this little kind of uh, you know red zone for her. And if she does, she'll be in better shape. But but she may not be able to do it. So do you, do you feel like uh, Hillary at this point can just weather more hits than Obama can? Yeah, he, well, I think he, I think that's I think that's always been the case, just in general, because I, I think she she took the hits way up front. You know, when her husband was in office, everybody sort of knows what they're getting with her. They they expect her, and I think people, a lot of people who love Hillary Clinton, are voting for her, even though they know that yeah, there's a, a mixed bag there. They they know there's there's um, some negatives there, but they don't they don't care. They think the positives way over overweigh that. So so I don't think it's as big of a problem. But if you know Obama, if if there was some kind of new big story about him, people really idealize him in such a way that I think it would be a bigger problem. It's funny I saw an article about that just this morning, which I'll find here in a second. And also the thing about Hillary weathering the hits, it actually I think it it it, it seems like it probably works that way in terms of the actual uh, primaries too, because the the th the single biggest thing that Obama has right now as an asset uh, in the sort of over arching scheme of things is this sense of momentum the sense that there is the wave behind him um and it you know and the, the, it's funny that it i think the issues that people are behind him are so passionate i'm not sure you know, i think it's not something kind of the media likes to talk about i'm not sure about this momentum yet you don't think that there is a perception that there is, is a ascendant or yeah that, i think there's a i think if he sweeps today I'll, I'll, then I'll buy into momentum, but I don't think he has it yet. I think it's still right there, both right there. Uh, let's see here. This is uh, an article from, where the hell is this from? You know, this is the problem with the Internet is you see these sites that decide not to identify, like it just says, news24live.com. <laughs> it's from, like, some, it's from Oceana, you know, it's from some place you have no idea. Um, anyway, it was, but it's a, it's a huge article. And it's one of those things that, again, as you were just discussing it, it, well, you don't know if it's true or not or whether it's a thing that a reporter has just decided to make true by printing it. Uh, and it says, women are falling for Obama. And it's uh, it's a huge, it's kind of a condescending article in a way because he doesn't, the author, who almost certainly has to be a man, he doesn't, he doesn't come out at any point and say this. But the implication is that, uh, I don't know, that, that Obama just, uh, you know, that he that he just works some sort of uh, you know some sort of magical charisma on the fairer sex, uh, <laughs> especially when they see him live. And he quotes several women, anecdotally, as saying, "Well, I wasn't too sure about that Obama, but then after I saw him, and then literally it has this phrase: after I saw him, her eyes grow dreamy." Oh no! So so apparently it's uh, apparently the ladies are all the Twitter about Barack Obama. But I this is what I mean that the to, to whatever extent the press sort of. Uh, tells, uh, as the Jedi would say, the weak-minded how to vote. I think a lot of people, like people, like to be with a winner. And I think right now, with every moment, with e I think every win he gets has an exponential benefit to his perception, as opposed to Hillary, who can take some hits, get some wins, and just sort of keeps on chugging. He is, mm. he's burning real bright right now, but I think it's kind of fragile. So. Oh, I think so too. Well, I think they're both fragile for different reasons right but I, th I think that's true i'll tell you though going out to the polls in virginia you know where i was i was in northern virginia which is the more liberal end of the state and it, which isn't to say that it's very liberal but uh there was just many more obama voters that i was talking to than, than clinton voters but who knows i mean that was just a small slice uh before you go because i know it's a busy day for you uh huckabee so he's huckabee is he really is he just going to um is he just going to stay in it until until mccain's got you know the, the you know the, the right number of delegates who knows? You know, these guys have been impossible to predict. And he's the one guy that at least he's not saying, I'm in it till the convention, 
because you know that's pro- then that's probably not true because that's the way that's gone with the rest of these candidates. Who knows what he's going to do? I think he really just wants to have as much of an impact as possible, and he may be starting to run. I was just thinking about this last night. He may actually be starting his presidential campaign for four years from now, thinking, all right, maybe maybe there's a good shot a Democrat's going to win. And typically when that happens, uh, you've got you kind of the Republicans go to other folks that were in the mix but weren't selected the last time around. So who knows? I'm not, it's not quite sure, but he's, I think there, there are a lot of reasons for him to stay in, but they're all kind of on the, kind of sculpting out the edges and that there's not, it's not clear exactly what the direct reason would be. All but right. they're all, they're all decent, the smart political reasons. Uh, I got, I got tons more thoughts and everything, but, uh, I know you're busy. So are you on tomorrow? I will be here tomorrow, yes. Excellent. All right. We will, uh, talk to you tomorrow. Until then, enjoy the rest of Potomac Primary Day. Hey. All right, thank you. Bye. There you go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent. She's so funny. And some NCAA Sweet 16. Clearly, I I mean, well, that's thing she'll just learn, I guess. Uh, Rick, when did Brooke Shields start looking like a man? The answer is always, sir. Uh, those huge eyebrows that she has. That's kind of the thing with that. Uh, let's see. Many, many emails. The New Adventures of Old Christine is the show starring Hottest Balls, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Not Christina Applegate. Really? I like Julia Louis-Dreyfus. It's actually pretty decent, but I know you hate the sitcom format, so you probably wouldn't like it. It's just that sitcoms are so rarely good. I think almost more than any other program, I think if you were to look at the ratio of good to bad, I think the bad is so much more prevalent in the sitcom format. In other words, you know there's a lot of dramas that are good, a lot of bad, a lot of dramas that are just sort of eh, sort of there. Um, like, have you seen that show, uh, Numbers? No. Uh, Donna might talk about it in that promo. It's not bad. I mean, it's you know, it's by Ridley and Tony What's Scott. What's it about? Uh, it's it, you know, it's a cop drama, but you know, and cop dramas always have their gimmick. Like with CNI, CSI, it's always like forensic analysis. Mm-hmm. And with uh, uh, what is it? There's the ghost whisper or whatever. And she doesn't she fight crime by she's meant she's psychic or something. But you know, there's a lot of those cop shows where it's a cop show, and this cop's gimmick is did he blah 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 blah. Like, there was that show Brimstone. Or Monk, how he's obsessive-compulsive. Totally. And Brimstone, there was a thing where he was a cop, but the deal is that he'd somehow made a deal with the devil, and he had to capture 666 criminals or whatever before he could go to... I mean, but the deal with numbers is, it's a cop show, but they solve... It's like sneakers. They solve uh, all of the crimes with math. And it's actually kind of cool if you're sort of a nerd, and I'm not even a math guy. But it's from Ridley Scott and Tony Scott, who did, like, Blade Runner and... uh, you know, uh, Man on Fire, respectively. Um, but it's not a bad show at all, but it's just, you know, it's sort of there. Not like groundbreaking. But, I mean, it's, it's a good, solidly entertaining show. But with sitcoms, it seems like for every uh, good sitcom, man, there's like there's like 50 of them that are just terrible. And they've all got the bad laugh. Like, they're all like Reba. with oh. the terrible laugh track and the big, dumb overacting. I watched my and... first episode of Friends that, um, in a while. In, like, probably a couple of years last night when I was at home, I was just like, this is so not funny. Yeah. And the laugh track just is just relentless. Just keeps on going. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see. Now, see, people are saying the Big Bang Theory is actually, they're saying it's good. Well, here's a sample description of the Big Bang Theory. You know, we could do a whole show on this. This is probably not the day to do it. Or maybe it is, because we got Carl Click and Peter Carlin. So I don't know. But this is, you know, my big lament, because here's the thing, is I just started uh, catching up on Battlestar, because... And I'm almost done with The Wire, period, because this is going to be over in a few weeks. Um, and I have been holding off on catching up on Battlestar Galactica. But now that the writer strike is wrapped up, and I think we're going to be getting Katie Sackhoff on the show, and she you know, she plays uh, Starbuck, um, 
I gotta get caught up with that. So I got nine episodes left in season three. So I'm doing like two a night. So within like three or four days, I'll be caught up. So at some point, you know, I want to watch Lost, and then I gotta figure out what else to watch. Like I got all of this. Don't call about it now, but I got other things I have to watch at some point. Uh, but anyway, this guy says my cousin wants me to see Big Bang Theory. It's about three nerds that live together across the hall from a hot girl. Of course. A scene has one of the nerds trying to talk the hot girl into playing World of Warcraft so they can hang out. Says apparently they show some in-game footage as well. Wow, I just don't know. I mean, that's just one of those things that could be good or it could be the worst thing ever. It seems so cliche. Yeah. Um, let's see. Apparently a lot of people in the audience watch, uh, watch New Adventures of Old Christine. Who knew? All right. Uh, let's do a couple of these calls and we'll break. We'll come back. It's in a rally. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, you're talking about TV shows. You never talk about the best show on TV, The Wire. Yes, I never talk about that. Are you being sarcastic? <laughs> no, you do. And I just... God, I just wanted to know if you saw last week's episode yet with Omar's coming after everybody. Oh, man. Uh, I, here's the thing about The Wire. And, by the way, if you're a fan of The Wire, you'll want to be listening when Peter Carlin is on the show, uh, I don't know, around 145 or so today, because uh, he, in addition to being a TV critic for the Oregonian, is a huge Wire fan. So um, we always talk about that. How much is The Wire just like the best thing you've ever seen? I mean, it's so free. I have to say this, and this is a bold statement that I will make here. Okay. I have a lot of great television shows that I've watched over the years. All the way, you know, the, 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 the old school shows, Twilight Zone, St. Elsewhere, MASH. Shield. Uh, the Shield. Yeah, see, even, and, it, and it's not like it's all old, like recent of The Shield. The Sopranos yeah. was really good. Uh, there was a show, like FX has, you know, FX had a show called Lucky just a couple years ago that was really good. That's pretty um, good. I mean, there's a lot of great, great, wonderful television. Uh, even, you know, there's even sitcoms that are done right, you know, that are good right now. Like, I'm a, I'm a fan of My Name is Earl. I'm a fan of The Office. There's a lot of good television being done. I will say this, though, and I'm a huge West Wing fan, everybody knows. If The Wire manages to wrap up, because this is the last season, if The Wire manages to wrap up this season well, in other words, if they don't fumble the ball somehow, like at the five-yard line, right? I would say that The Wire is going to go down as... For me, maybe the most flawlessly executed TV show ever. I mean, yeah. possibly. Because the thing that the, the problem is because television shows never learn. They never learn from the British. Because the thing with the Br British is that the British people, like 14 episodes, done. Like the, the British office, I think, only had 12 episodes. And then it was out, done, and finished. Um, and so they don't stick around long enough to suck. Even the West Wing, which was great. Became so too long. Oh God, yeah. Became and Buffy was the same way. I'm a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, and man, that show just went to s. The last couple seasons of Buffy were among the worst things I've ever seen on television. Same with the X Files. The Wire though has been solid. No fat on that show. I mean, it's quality front to back. If they can finish this fifth season, that'll go down as one of the best shows ever to be on television. Absolutely. I mean, every see like my favorite show ever. One episode was The West Wing. It was called Two Cathedrals. Two Cathedrals it, is. It was, can I tell you this? Do you ever watch that yeah. show inside the actor's studio? Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, Lipton? James Lipton called Two Cathedrals, which is the second season finale of The West Wing. He called right. that the finest hour of television ever done. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, literally, it's, I, I get chills just thinking about it. Yeah. But The Wire, every single episode is comparable. It's It's... It, Unbelievable. I will say this about The Wire, and again, it's out on DVD. So people, sh you know, I think all f the first four seasons are out on the DVD. So if you're, right. um, it, The Wire, Fatboy Roberts from KUFO and I talk about this. It's like watching a novel. I mean, it's like watching a wonderful 500-page novel unfold in front of you. And I have to tell you, that yeah. stuff with Omar, the last couple of episodes, <laughs> he is, he's become like some, some weird, like, thug Batman. You know what I yeah. mean? It's the 
best. Oh, it is. It's so good. Now we're both turning into Jeremy Piven and singles. It's I the just best. That. It's the you best. You me there. All right, <laughs> dude. The king. You're the man. All right, so there's four episodes left, I think. Three. Yeah, there's four episodes left, and if you have. Man, you could see it a week early, oh, but I yeah. won't say anything about it. But it's it just gets better and better. Oh man, it's 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 uh, yeah. I, I gotta really stop myself at the wire because I can geek out about it for like ninety minutes. And you're gonna oh, no. that here to do that. All right, so be listening, Peter Carlin later on, sir. All right, thank you. There you go. I can't wait till you watch Lost and we can actually talk about a show that I watched too. I'm sorry. No, it's okay, because I go out with... We don't people. have anything to talk about no, anymore. I'll go out and I'll have lost conversations with all kinds of listeners and all kinds yeah. of people, and everybody who has seen that show has so much shocked about it, you know, and I wish that you knew it so that we could sit there and, like, geek out about that. I'm gonna, as soon as I'm done with uh, Battlestar, uh, which, again, will be like a week, because I got ten episodes of Battlestar Galactica left, and I'm doing, like, two a night. So, like, by this time next week, I'll be done with Battlestar. Okay. Caught up. And then I got to watch The Wire, or uh, the, uh, then I can watch The Lost. Okay. So... You gotta be ready too. It's gonna suck. It's gonna suck life out of you. It's gonna be so good that you won't even. That's fine. I got no life. <laughs> My wife's going out of town again anyway. So, uh, hello. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Uh, yeah, Rick. Uh, uh, you were just talking about the wire. Yes, I was. My favorite shows, but uh, you were talking about being a long novel. Have you ever read any George Pelincanos? No, I, I don't read a lot of fiction. Uh, but uh, no, I haven't. Well, you should look him up. He, he's a telewriter for uh, the Wire. He's one of the producers of the Wire. His okay. first book called The Firing Offense came out in '91, and it's about a just a this great kid in Washington D.C. who gets sucked into a, a, one of his typical uh, crime stories. I but, do uh, every now and again. I do like sort of gritty crime novels if they're well, you, done well. I've heard you talk about him over the years, and uh, you should really check him out, George Pelincanos. Look him up on Wikipedia, okay. and uh, I'll bet you anything you'll totally dive right into his book. And if you are a fan of The Wire, if you haven't read it already, you ought to read a book called Homicide, A Year on the Killing Streets by David Simon. Yeah, you know, I've got so many books stacked up. I have heard of it. A good friend of mine is going to loan that one to me. It's, uh, the, it's the book that they based both Homicide and The Wire on. Right, and you know, I haven't even gone back and started watching the Homicide DVDs. I know that it's all part of oh. the same thing. Homicide is great, but you can you can stop watching it after season five. You can skip yeah. the last two. I'd rather just watch The Wire. All right, bye now. Thanks. All right, there you go. All right. We'll be done with... Hi, Tim. How are you? Oh, you're sounding better. Okay, but can you do this? Just one. Can we have one final request from the audience for your Novocaine or whatever. Is it Novocaine? It is, yes. Can you do a, it may no longer have the punch, uh, that it may not have the punch that it would have an hour ago. Can you, this is, uh, says Rick, um, can you please be having Tim do his evening soul love DJ impersonation? Signed, Mike, black guy in Portland. Sarah, do we have any soul music? I have porn music. <laughs> That'll do. That's wait. <laughs> That'll do, wait, hold on, I think I might have something better, hold on. Uh, this will be the uh, this will be the last request to have Tim say something zany in his Novocaine voice. Hold on, and then we will respect him as the as the broadcaster that he is, is. Uh, because I'm showing nothing about respect. <laughs> That's right, Dick. All right, hold on. Let's see if I can get this to. Uh... All right. All right, I found sweet soul music on YouTube. I got something. You got it? I got All something right. even better. Let's see if I can get this to play. Yeah. This is a sexual healing by Marvin Gaye. If you need to talk this out, Tim. Hello there, ladies. 11.59, lunchtime. How are you today? Oh, yeah. How about some sexual healing, baby? That's it. I can't take any more. All right. 
Uh, we'll be back after this. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. I can't hold you much longer. Vanessa Williams saved the best for last. I love that song. No, we were talking about Sarah Wagner upstairs. It's all early 90s R&B in her cubicle. It's just like she's got 500 CDs, and it's all that. It's all like, no, what's this? Well, it's Silk. I knew I loved her. Oh, by the way, I've got something to introduce Tim with here. Let me just, uh, no news ladies and gentlemen. Hold on. I'm just gonna I'm gonna milk it for like another five minutes. I'm learning how to speak again. <laughs> I want to thank Ryan Seacrest. That's right, Dick. Aren't I still America's oldest teenager? Yes, you are. Ladies, don't I, don't I look terrific? Yes, Dick. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Ryan. I want to dance. Time for the Rick Emerson <laughs> Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The Portland mother of twins is pummeling the competition. Got NBC She's pummeling the competition? Pummeling. Oh. P-U-M-M-E-L-I-N-G. Is pummeling the competition of NBC's reality sports show, American Gladiators. Monica Carlson, who's 32 and hails from Milwaukee, the pride of that town, has racked up the points, not only among her fellow competitors, but other gladiators, too. She is one of 26 contestants. I have a whole hour of this. Buying $400,000 in prize money. First, she won her debut competition yesterday. And she won big again. I'm so ashamed. I love American gladiators. I grew up with it. It's one of those things that... It's one of those things I've been to as a child. And gosh, wouldn't it be amazing? That's right, Dick. <laughs> She's one to secrecy and can't say how far she made it. Hold on a second. But the experience is one she'll cherish forever. All right. It's all about the athletics and the sportsmanship that I loved about it. It was truly what it says it is. You got to fight for your life. And you win or you lose. <laughs> Carlson has eight-year-old twins. It says when she was growing up, American Gladiators was her favorite show. <laughs> her husband is a football coach, <laughs> and athletics play a large part in the family. <laughs> We're only one story in. I know. I I have a big stretch here. <laughs> All right. Um, would anyone like a comment? What? <laughs> I even like to comment on that story. I don't even know what it's about. I, don't even know. I was just, I was just gonna say, uh, we will now take uh, caller number five, Richie, at five zero three. Maybe we should join Carl Click already in progress. <laughs> Richie, we'll take caller five here at five zero three seven three three two nine seventy, and if they can give it more or less the, the broad spree, they've asked businesses not to sell paint to minors. What? Or to keep Is that Carl? It, yeah, I decided to uh, take this, throw it to Carl. <laughs> uh, so, Richie, we'll take caller five here, and if uh, caller five can give us the broad strokes of whatever that story was Tim was just talking about, we'll uh, we'll give them something random uh, from the prize pile. So, uh, there you go. We'll take caller five here. That story that Tim just read, 
I couldn't tell you who it's about, where it took place, what it was involving. It was about American Gladiator. No. <laughs> I don't want to make you. I don't want to make you go through it again. It was so painful <laughs> the first time. I saw you gamely picking up the paper like you were going to read it again. <laughs> I never give up. I'm. <laughs> That's right, Dick. I want to be treated like everyone else. <laughs> so if you can... I'll be back again next New Year's Eve <laughs> here on ABC. <laughs> oh, so if you can um, correctly identify the subject of the story and the beats therein... You win some spam. Yeah, we'll give you some, we'll give you some crap from the, uh, from, from, from the pile of stuff. All right, five zero three seven three three. I'll just. You want to hand me that story there? This one here. Yes, that one there. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? <laughs> this is great listening to Mush Mouth. Don't be cruel, <laughs> sir. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to be treated like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sir. What is that? What was that story about? I believe it was about I didn't I couldn't quite make out her name. It was one of the female contestants on American Gladiator and about how it was one of her favorite shows when she was younger and uh How she much loved prize it. money is she vying for? Uh one hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Uh let's see here. Um let's see here. Uh what um what is the status of her parenthood? Uh, she's married to a football coach. Okay, but what is the status of her of her parenthood? Oh, parenthood, sorry. Uh, she has twins, eight-year-old twins. All right, there you go. Yay! Close enough. Well done. All right, thank you, sir. Well done. Thank you for interpreting that story for us. No problem. All right, there you go. We'll put you on hold. Richie will uh, give you something token-esque uh, from the prize closet. There you go. That's uh, that guy. All right, here's, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Now, Portland police say a woman lost control of her car in Southeast and crashed through the fence of a PGE substation, leaving more than 16,000 customers in the dark. And because of the crash at 2.30 this morning, traffic lights were also affected. Authorities warned people to stop at all four-way stops. 20-year-old Felicia Laundress tried to run but was caught by police. The power failure was in areas of Southeast between Southeast 82nd and Southeast 167th. Numerous controlled intersections, homes, and businesses were without power to PG to resolve the problem. So they can what? Resolve the problem. An Oregon man who was fleeing through Raker County at 130 miles an hour. I didn't understand any. Okay. Was he fleeing? He was fleeing. Let me, let me ask you this about your speech today. Speed. Speed. Speeding. Speeding? Speeding. Speedy gun hollis. People, this is not a put on the let, let me let me ask you this, Tim. Have you, oh, Tim. First of all, it's making your squint too. Have you noticed that it is the, the whole like one eye is squinting and the other part you like, like half of you is Popeye and half of you is normal. <laughs> it's true. It is true. This is just my look. Have you I'm a journalist. In the mirror? Huh? Have you looked at yourself in the mirror? N- not since this morning when I left my house. I would continue uh, that trend if I were you. <laughs> okay. I would stay away from mirrors. I won't look in a mirror. It's going to disturb you. Oh, never. Um, <laughs> is it more or less work to talk if half of your face doesn't work? Because there's one school well, of thought. There's only a lot of work on the side that doesn't work. Well, that's what I'm saying. It it seems like, on the one hand, it seems like it might be half the work because <clears throat> half of your face isn't working at all. So it's only half the energy. Maybe if I read every other word. <laughs> but is it? 
Are you having to work harder uh, with the mobile side of your face to speak today? No, that that side works fine. But I mean, it's not additional work to pronounce to pronounce things. Yes, it is because the other side doesn't work at all. All right, so you're so the one so this is like having a lazy eye. This is a lazy mouth. <laughs> you have lazy. The right side of your face is lazy. Mm -hmm. No, right. the left side. See now, see, but that's Sarah. Would you agree that the it's the right side? It's the that's the, it's like the left part of your mouth, but then your right eye is winky. It's weird because is that what you're saying? Winking his eyes back and forth. <laughs> yes, it's the left side of your mouth, mm -hmm. but your right eye seems to be kind of gimped up too. It's not gimped. It's just winky. I don't know. I'm just saying it's sort of squinted. That might have been the winky pill they gave me. <laughs> They give you any other pills today? <laughs> I think they gave me quite enough. Thank you. Who wants a winky pill? <laughs> My winky isn't working properly. Hello, hi. You're on. The, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Yeah, hi. All the professional broadcasters. Yes. I just tuned in, and I, I'm wondering why Tim is becoming progressively retarded. He had a. That's a cruel thing to say, sir, to someone who had a stroke. Oh no. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, he's just going he on I'm, just, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm challenged. He didn't, I'm only fooling. He didn't have a stroke. He, he, he was just at the dentist. But I'm going to do that to everybody today who asks. <laughs> See if I can make him feel bad for a second. Uh, no, but really, what happened? <laughs> you went to the dentist. No, he had a stroke. Oh. Oh. No, oh. He, he went to the dentist. Yes, half of, his, half of his face is immobile because he has Nova cancer. He just sounds like he's becoming more and more like a monkey. It just sounds kind of... And there's no need to uh, for slings and arrows, sir. Oh no, we loved him. <laughs> you love him. You love but... him despite his infirmities. <laughs> You're giving uh, well... Tim an E for effort. <laughs> best show ever. Okay. Yeah, that guy got really uncomfortable at the end there. Mm. That best show ever is sort of the ripcord. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, uh, is there any chance we can get Tim to uh, do some? Uh... Godfather material. I was actually thinking that. I was thinking there's sort of a you can act like a man. You know, sort of the yeah. the um, say or this. maybe you know the uh, Quint speech from Jaws just for um, uh, just for greatness. Just yeah. for, um, well, I don't want to do the, the make of an offer you can't refuse. But there's the uh, like you could say the um, uh, say this say um, say this Tim. Do you mind me asking you to say things for my amusement? Not at all. Say this. Say this shows for everyone's amusement. <laughs> Some days more than others. Say um, say this. Say this. Say then. Then I'm going to blame some of the people in this room. Then I'm going to blame some of the people in this room. No, no, I don't. I don't think the Godfather thing really works. No, it's more of a rasp. Maybe next is time. needed there. <laughs> maybe, maybe they can numb your throat next time. I'm going back in two weeks. Really? <laughs> this is only temporary. Now, can I ask what this was for? I mean, it was for dental stuff. Was but it another crown? It's another crown. How many crowns do you have now? <laughs> Six. <laughs> say this. Say putting on the Ritz. Putting on the Ritz. I have a muffle of gold and silver. Uh-huh. With a mouthful of gold, he's Tim Riley. All right, here's, uh, yeah, more news. An Oregon man who was speeding through Baker County at 130 miles an hour to get to court in Portland didn't make it in time. The OSP forced Vladimir Bracca, a 22-year-old from Tawalton, to make a detour at the Baker County Jail. They stopped the Bracca in his black 2000 Ford Mustang about six miles north of Baker City. He was jailed and released on bail. 
His rather alarmed passenger, Matthew Noriega, a 23-year-old from New Mexico, was cited on the charge of possession of less than an ounce of marijuana. Northwest Bridge Avenue near the St. John's Bridge was closed last night because of a rock slide. Crews in the Oregon Department of Transportation will keep that road, which connects St. John's Bridge with Highway 30 and Germantown Road closed, and to a gynecologist or geologist can get a better look during the daylight hours. It is unclear if the hillside is unstable or the likelihood of additional sites might occur and block off St. John's from the rest of the world. ODOT set up a detour around the landslide. Once drivers reached the southern end of the St. John's Bridge, they were sent east. And then they can go down Highway 30 in both directions. Um, did you say that there was a gynecologist in the middle of the road? No, they were. They needed a genealogist. Uh, no, what do you call it? A uh, geologist. Not a gynecologist. No, not in this case. Okay. He's, he's a, he infects rocks. If you've got rocks and your gynecologist has to look at them, you've got serious issues. All right. Now let's see what else we have here. Now the, mailing a letter will soon cost a penny more. The cost of a first-class stamp will rise to 42 cents starting on May 12th. The price of the forever stamp will go up at the same time, meaning those stamps can still be used for 41 cents until they remain good for first-class postage after the rate increase takes place. The post office is sold five billion forever stamps since they were introduced last April. And they plan to have an additional $4 billion in stock. I didn't catch any of that last sentence. The, the, the post the, stamps are going up. But the post office, something billion? They sold $5 billion forever stamps. Now, I thought that... Uh, wait, so the price is going up $0.42? Cents. Does the forever stamp... Call, I don't even really know what the forever stamp is. Is that a thing where I buy it now and it's good forever? Forever. Okay, so if I bought forever stamps, this doesn't affect me. No. But I didn't buy forever stamps, so I guess it doesn't You can only me. use every stamp still once. You can't take it off of a letter and use it forever. No, I... Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi, what's Fine. up? Doing well. All right. What I was hoping, actually, is uh, maybe we could get Tim to do some... Um, Tim is not your monkey, sir. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> it's Eve's the day. Okay. I was hoping for a little uh, Princess Bride material, you know? No, yeah, no, we've, no, we've already done that. We've done that, and somebody else suggested Madeline oh, Hahn from Blazing Saddles. Oh, damn, you there already? Yes. I missed it? Sir, that's not my fault you tuned in late. If you were here at 11 a.m., you would have heard this. Damage. <laughs> um, All right. Um, by the way, I'd like to say that I think it's actually a great idea for St. John to be cut off from the rest of the world. And to have <laughs> and to have more gynecologists. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. So that we can all agree on, my friend. All right. Thanks a lot, Thank guys. you. Bye. No, somebody suggested uh, the marriage. Uh, somebody suggested Madeline Kahn from Blazing Saddles. No. Where she does that... Um, you know, the bill the, uh, come in. You know, she, I can't do it. I can't mangle the language the way she does. And then somebody else suggested um, John, John Merrick from the Elephant Man. Thing. I'm not an animal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a human being. That's just me, by the way. That's not Tim. <laughs> All right, here's... Uh, it almost sounds just like me. <laughs> here's Perhaps Tim, a little practice. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, homeowners threatened with foreclosure... Would in some instances get a 30-day reprieve under initiative by the Bush administration. Uh-huh. It's called Project Lifeline. The program will be available to people who have taken out all types of mortgages, not just the high-cost prime loans that have been the focus of relief efforts. The program was put together by six of the nation's largest financial institutions, which service almost 50% of the nation's mortgages. The lenders say they will contact homeowners who are 90 days or more overdue on their monthly payments 
The homeowners will be given the opportunity to put the foreclosure process on pause for 30 days and uh, have a little bit more time to move out. You've almost got Tina Turner's face today because your upper lip doesn't move at all. This is the thing I'm noticing. It's like Botox. <laughs> this is exactly what it is. But it's something like Botox to your eye and your lip, and that was it. <laughs> like the rest of your face still functions normally. <laughs> it's just it's just your right eye and your upper lip have been made uh, static. So your lower lip is fine. Upper lip doesn't even twitch, doesn't move at all. No movement at all. Yep. It, in no way is that is that top half of your mouth articulated. That's the only way the dentist could work inside my mouth. <laughs> so I'm, how many caps are you going to have or crowns are you going to have total? Just one new one. So, but, but I mean, how, how many then total will be will you, will be in your in your mouth? I have only six or seven. Seven. Wow. See, this is why this is Sarah and I were suffering. This is why I'm afraid to call the dentist and go in because I just know he's just. Uh, did, did you get any uh, fillings in the seventies? Uh, I had fillings, but in my baby teeth, so they're gone now. Oh, you don't have to worry. These are old fillings. Yeah. No. 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 I, From it, the seventies, and they were cracking. They crack your teeth after a while. Ugh. Yeah, that's no good. Uh, no, uh, uh, um, the bad news is I took horrible care of my teeth as a kid. Uh, the oh, good news gonna is, get you. No, well, see, the good news is, though, that was really w- when I was a kid. When, like, I, my teeth were so bad, I had fillings in my baby teeth, which they almost never do. Mm. Um, and um, But then they fell out, and I have no fillings now. And But, but, but again, it's like a sort of out of sight, out of, out of mind kind of a thing. Like, I'm afraid to go to the dentist and have him put me back in the chair for fear that... This is what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of him putting me in the chair. The chair tilts back. He brings that weird uh, light thing down. That, yeah, they still use that. Yeah, they bring it down. It's got the big black thing in the middle of it. And he brings it down, and he looks in with that blue paper mask over his face. And this is what I'm afraid of. He... Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Janet, if you can uh, clear all my appointments. Well, can, we have a, can we have a discussion in the other room? <laughs> exactly. Mary, we'll be back in a minute. Would you like to watch television or would you like a magazine? Would you like a rag to chew on? Um, that's totally what I'm afraid of, where he just where he just says, look, um, do you have two or three days that are free next week, maybe, and then followed by a few days that you can get off from work? I just, I'm so afraid. Then they do something. <laughs> then they leave the room. Then this alarm goes off. Then they come back in. <laughs> and you wonder what actually went on during that period of time that just elapsed. We need to wrap your body in a smock made out of lead. Jesus. Uh, all right. Um, Rick, I just walked into my office and joined the show. What the hell is wrong with Timmy? Sounds like my drunk Uncle Dave. It is your drunk Uncle Dave, sir. We didn't want to reveal it until just now. Here's Tim Riley. And nothing makes you feel better when you step in one of those chairs to look out the window and see rain and clouds and gray and misery. <laughs> and, and and what was the last one? Misery. Okay. Good God. Tim sounds like a cross between Tom Brokaw and Marley Matlin. That <laughs> <laughs> I will let my teeth rot before I let a dentist touch me ever again. I'll be fine tomorrow. <laughs> this is wearing off. Uh-huh. No, you don't. You're, you're, you're sounding better. Gradually sounding better, oh, yeah. Tim. You're like uh, I'm on the mend. <laughs> I missed my chance to do like an Ann Sullivan, Helen Keller joke. I should have done that about half an hour ago. That time, I'll have to wait two weeks. Well, I'm going back in two weeks. (laughs) Wonderful. Before the show again? Uh Uh-huh. Excellent. Fantastic. Yeah, I I originally made these appointments because, well, it'll all wear off before I get on the air and I'll wonder. Oh, yes. All past evidence. because, Because you are the only person on the show who goes to the dentist. Let's just put it out there. The thing is, we know from past evidence that's not true because I think this is like the 90th time this has happened, where I will come in and we do like a morning Sam, morning Ralph kind of a thing. I go in, hi Tim, ah, and 
But there is still a You look like you just had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You have never looked more stroke victim-esque than you did today. I mean, you've come back from the dentist many times, sometimes with portions of your mouth still numb. Because you can never tell that it's been numbed. But, I mean, I saw... I saw that you had gone to the dentist before you yeah. actually spoke. I think today is the first time that we could see it on your face. Uh, normally, you'll come in and you'll look, you know, normal, and I'll say hi to him, and you'll go, ah, I just can't work in the dentist. And but then you close your mouth, and everything looks fine again. Today, yeah, in the, just seeing you coming in the hallway, I thought, my God, this, <laughs> what cruel fate has befallen this newsman? I went to the dentist. <laughs> the worst part is I went to get my usual breakfast burrito. <laughs> Do you want breakfast? <laughs> oh, and they thought something happened to you. I know. So they give me my choices. <laughs> you sounded like the gimp in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. What do you want for breakfast? <laughs> yeah, spider caught the flies. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hi, Tim. Yes? Well, a big turnout is expected for today's Potomac primaries in Virginia, Maryland, and the District of Columbia. The what? The, uh, the, the Potomac primary. <laughs> Virginia is holding over primaries. Meaning people can choose to vote at either the district or Republican elections. <laughs> the polling places in Northern Virginia have been heavy and steady. A man outside the school in Woodbridge explains what brought him on such a very cold day. The economy is a big mess. The country is a big mess. And overall and all over the world, we're not, we're not known as what we used to be known as, you know. Let's ask another man. What brought Jeez. you out on this cold day? Definitely the economy, economy, because it's, it's affecting us. It's affecting the jobs. It's affecting our businesses. It's affecting, you know, you know, you know, the way we live. You know, once we fix ourselves, then that's when we can try to help other people. A man named Tom said he didn't have to wait in line to cast his ballot. It's kind of early, but you wait till later on. And Tom, <laughs> the same Tom as we just spoke with, said the presidential races bring out passions in a lot of people. A lot of arguing, debating, you know, family split. What? Huh? Huh? What was the... What was the... Uh, a lot of arguing, debating, you know, family split. Uh-huh. Family split? Okay. Family split. Spraying the babies. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Um, Let's take a break, shall we? I, I'll play us into the break here, Sarah. Okay. Back after this, more of your phone calls. What stories are coming up, Tim? Uh, Mike Huckabee brushes off calls to bow out of the election. Excellent. And a uh, survey shows some social changes of Valentine's Day celebrations. And more coming up next. Okay. Back after this, plus later on, Peter Carlin, uh, Carl Click, and the Top 5 State. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Dressed up like a million-dollar trooper. Trying mighty hard to look like Gary Cooper. Come, let's mix where Rockefellers walk with sticks or umbrellas in their midst. Niagara Falls is a great place for a honeymoon. Niagara Falls is a great place for a honeymoon. Oh, you're back. You're, no, you're, Almost, just about. No, you're largely recovered yeah. now. 
All right. Well, it was fun while it lasted. It's 503-733-2970. I'll ask for an extra shot next time. Boy, the, uh, all those Dick <laughs> Clark New Year's clips are gone, too. I was desperately trying to find one of those where you... Eight, nine, seven, six. I was trying to find they're all gone. Oh, well, they have to be somewhere. You know it. Well, what can you do? Seven. Twelve. By the way, we... <laughs> um... By the way, we've received uh, the worst prize. Uh, I'm sorry, fantastic. That's the worst prize ever. Um, but are we giving it away? It, it, so this is. Are these run of engagement passes to, to the new Larry the Cable Guy film? Yes, it's true. Oh. Um, Larry the Cable Guy starring, end quote, in the Witless Protection Program. Oh, no. We've been given run-of-engagement passes, as well as T-shirts, posters, and Valentine's beer cozies. So there you go. Fantastic. That's extremely unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. There's no getting around it. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I was just wanting to say, put in my two cents. When uh, Tim comes back from his dentist appointment... In two weeks from now, you should yeah. have him quote the wedding ceremony from the Princess Bride. That's a great idea. I wish we'd thought of that earlier. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yes. Uh, where are you, sir? Where am I? Yeah, where are you right now? I'm, uh, I'm at lunch in Twalton. Why does uh, Richie believe that you're in the hospital? <laughs> no idea. It says here on the screen, it says, this is Rick's loyal listener who is in hospital. No, I, uh, I called in and I was put directly on hold and then... All right. Well, do you have it on auto hold? Oh, I'm right? glad you're better. Uh, yeah, I should take that off. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you're not in the hospital, sir. We were all worried there for you, moment. All right. Well, thank you for your concern. All right, thank you. Bye. All the guys at the station now are polling for you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, I wanted to uh, congratulate uh, Tim for coming in when he sounded like the way he did. He's a game day player, sir. He is. He is. Like the like the days of old and the men of yore. Exactly. And um, for the for the what's his guts the. Uh, the movie passes you have? Larry the Cable Guy, sir, in Witless Protection Program. Do they ever listen to your station? Who? Larry the, the Cable Guy? The, no, the people that give out the movie tickets. And Almost stuff. certainly not. That Wouldn't would... that be better for a couple or something? Well, that, you know what they also gave us? We shouldn't complain. They also gave us passes. They gave us passes to some cool stuff. They also gave us passes to... Uh, over her dead body, which is that Eva Longoria film, and I think those were almost certainly meant for moving the station across the hall, and they somehow accidentally ended up in our inbox, and we just kept them. So you know, we'll kind of take. You know, we don't uh, we don't necessarily have the resources of one of your big FM stations, so we'll uh, we'll take whatever comes our way. We're not proud, sir. Craptastic. Mm. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, bye. Bye. All right. And we'll have the director's cut of Driving with Daisy next week. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Everson show. Hello. Hi. You know. uh... I just wanted to say it sounds like uh, uh, Tim's voice is kind of clearing up. Yes, now, it's, it's on. It's on the mend. I, I was a little worried there for a little while. Uh, there is a stroke PSA that you guys run on your station with the guy's hair on fire. Oh yeah, and, Bob, you're, there's so much fire. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, it, I mean, wouldn't that be horrible if if you you went to the dentist? <gasps> what if Tim had a stroke while he had also had half his face numbed up? We might never exactly. know. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's we would saying. never know, and then we would just be waiting hour after hour. Should be wearing off any minute now. I don't know why. Stroke can't her. That would be so. I wonder if that's ever happened, to where somebody has half their face all numbed up, uh, and then they have a stroke, and then but you don't realize it until hours. Because you know, sir, with a stroke, 
Time lost is brain lost. Yes, indeed. Well, you were mentioning about the hand and the face and, you know, I mean. Tim, do you have I'm, tingling? No, that's a heart attack. No. <laughs> Imagine you know, how can, can I tell you this right now? I don't even really know. Yeah, no, it's, I would feel bad, but it doesn't look like that's uh, the case. So we can breathe. Right. We can go back to ridicule, sir. Yeah. All right, thank you. I you know, that really happened to an anchorman on the air in Portland, Maine. He had a stroke. He had a stroke on the air. Oh, man. So, I mean, did you see it happen? No, but I've seen the YouTube thing of it. All of that stuff ends up on YouTube. By the way, this is a radio program, so we can't uh, sit and play a bunch of these because it would just not be fair. But I saw a couple of the greatest on-air, like, news accidents the other day. I mean, so funny. Court and Fat Boy uh, and uh, Mike Russell and myself were all in there, and we just sat and laughed ourselves ill, as only guys can do. There are two. There's one. There is one of a new, of a weather guy that I'm going to post on my site. It's brief. It's like 12 seconds long. You don't have to wait for the pay. You don't have to wait for a buildup. It's gold. I'm going to post it on my site today, as you can see. It is among the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, but all that stuff ends up on YouTube. But my question is, let me just quiz the room here. Who knows what the symptoms of a stroke are? Not like the result of a stroke where you're all... But, I mean, what is like... I thought there was like a... You feel tingling sensation in your left side. That's a heart attack, though, isn't it? I thought that was a stroke. Tim, isn't a heart attack where you feel a heart tingling in your left arm? I believe so, but it could be a stroke. Your too. left arm and your jaw. I think if there's a pain in your left arm and your jaw, learn about strokes. Because I remember the first time I had uh, this is years ago, and it's subsequently under control. But the first time I had a real bad uh, panic attack, um, and I, you know, and it, panic attacks, everybody. It's like, a, you know, leaving the cliche, everybody who has a serious panic attack, they always think it's a heart attack because I guess that's just how it feels physiologically or mentally or whatever. Uh, but Lara's first question is like, how does your left arm feel? And I'm fine. She's like, okay, not a heart attack. Um, but I think a heart attack is your left arm and your jaw. There's a pain that goes from your from your the, your hand up your left arm to your jaw. that was your entire left side. See, it is a cardiovascular disease. It affects the blood vessels that supply blood to the brain. This is a, stro a stroke or a heart attack? Stroke. Okay. No, I think, so, and then the tingling in the hands, see, that's MS, I think. I think that's if you've got MS. Tingling, I, I only know this from watching the West. All my MS knowledge comes from the second season of the West. Like, I have plaque on my brain and spine, tingling, and a general rundown feeling. Um, I don't know what this is. Like, if you have, I'm not trying to be crass, but, I mean, if you have a, now, if you have a stroke, you just, like, fall over? I'm not sure. Could somebody There's give different that's kinds true, of I guess strokes. I am thinking of heart attacks. I think of someone like clutching their clutching heart and their chest. falling over. There are different kinds. Boy, can I tell you this? A heart attack terrifies should we, me. Should we listen to the PSA for symptoms of a stroke to find out? Let's try to guess first, okay. and then and then we'll do the reveal. Can I tell you this though? I don't know. Are, is anybody here? I mean, are you guys like do you guys ever? Uh, I don't mean to be all fruity about it, but I mean, do you ever not not premonitions? That's the wrong thing. But like a fear that like you will go a certain way. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh, you know, I, like, know, I know. I'm right. going to die of cancer. This that's, time. See, that's that's what I'm talking about. Are you just resigned to it? No, I'm going to try to prevent it. But do you fear cancer? Like, is that the death you're, that you work trying to avoid? Yes, because everyone who grew up in my neighborhood died of cancer. Me too. Everybody in my hometown died All of... All kinds of weird diseases. Th th thyroid cancer, lymphoma. People in my neighborhood are riddled with cancer. Now, why would that be the case where you grew up? Well, because it had a lot of older industries before any of those... The environmental things made law, so they shipped all these industries to Mexico and now China. Right. I mean, 
what the Chinese are doing to us, we did to ourselves long before the Chinese ever sent anything over here. So they used to dump stuff, you know, outside these industrial plants and in the rivers, and people live next to this. Just dumping, well, you, I mean, all those old, you know, just dumping sludge right into a river. Yeah, all those brick mills, they all, they all had all those industries before they got sent out of here. Well, same thing with, uh, with, you know, with my hometown, where there's the nuclear industry there, and they made this, I've told this story a thousand times, when there's nuclear waste. All over the ground there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the whole my whole hometown is radioactive, I and mean, it's just, and I, which, which I, I wish in some way, even though it is kind of funny, I kind of wish it was a bad joke, but it's not just the whole town is glowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I assume it's cancer. But here's the weird thing: is I assume I will die of cancer. I'm not trying to be more, but I'm just sort of being realistic about it. The odds are uh, that it's cancer that'll get me someday, but that's not what I'm afraid of. What I'm afraid of: heart attack. That's the thing that I don't want to have happen for some reason. Like, not when I want to get cancer, but I mean... Well, when's the last time you had a physical that can predict these? I mean, the heart attack? Can, it, well, it, once you get a physical, at a certain age, they give you certain tests to make sure that you're not prone to such Make sure that I'm not going to keel over. Yeah. So, the only because, I mean, not like cancer is a, a cakewalk somehow, but I, I think... The thing about the heart attack is it just uh, it just sounds so traumatizing. Because even if you... Like, even if you live through... Uh, the heart attack, I mean, it, it just seems like you would just walk and spend the rest of your life just walking on, like, the softest of eggshells. I mean, I think it would be, like, here's how, here's how much the concept of a heart attack freaks me out. In, the, in uh, Mad Men this year, there was that, uh, where, what's his name, uh, Roger Sterling had the heart attack, and he's in the office canoodling with one of the young ladies, and he, you know, she comes out and she's like, something's wrong, and they go in, and he's had a, he's had a heart attack while playing a little hanky-panky. Goes to the hospital, fine, blah, blah, blah. Weeks pass, he comes back to work. And there is this, I'm actually, I'm getting freaked out actually just talking about it. It kind of makes me feel sweaty. Um, There's that sequence where he then comes back to work because he has to pitch an important client. And so he's there at, at back at the office like six weeks after having a heart attack. And, and the thing is, he's trying to like portray himself as the picture of health. Like he doesn't want the clients to leave. So what is he doing? And of course, this is 1960. But what does he do six weeks after the heart attack? He's sitting in a meeting trying to look like a man's man, immediately starts eating a huge pastrami sandwich, and then lights up a cigarette. And as soon as he lit up that cigarette, it started to freak me out. And sure, and it's like a ticking bomb, man. Right in that scene, he lights up a cigarette, he takes one big inhale on the cigarette, and then he clutches his chest and keels over on the table again. And I swear to you, when that happened on Mad Men, I actually, like, I actually kind of went... I sort of folded, like, put my arms across my chest and turned off the TV for a while. Like, I got to come back to this in, like, five or ten minutes. I got to wait. Wow. So, it just, it sounds, because, and, you know, and everybody in my family eventually dies of cancer, but many of them have heart attacks, like, first. Like, the heart attack is sort of the thing that's the warning shot. And then eventually all, you know, then your whole body is just one big melanoma. <laughs> Molly Russell's wart. Yeah. <sighs> all right. So do we want to know the symptoms of a stroke or not? Yes. 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 I want to know if one of us could be having one right now and not know it. Hey, Jack, you got a sec? Yeah, sure. Come on in. Yeah, I was wondering if you... Jack, your hair's on fire. This is a yeah, pretty funny spot. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I just need to finish this sales report and then I'll probably... down for a bit. But I'm, I'm sure it'll go away. But the flames are getting bigger. Should, shouldn't I... Your hair. There's so much fire. No, no, no. I'll be fine. What can I help you with? Oh, dear. Well, at least we know the sprinkler system works. You wouldn't ignore this, so why ignore the signs of a stroke? 
If you or someone you know suddenly experiences numbness of the face, arm, or leg, or sudden trouble speaking, seeing, or walking, don't wait to get help. Call 911 right away yep. because time lost is brain lost. That's to find out more, www.strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE. This message brought to you yeah. by the American. You know what's funny is now having just having just had that whole discussion about Roger Sterling having the second heart attack. Now I've got like a whole weird tingly tension going on. Oh, I don't want to freak. It's him psychosomatic. Out no, it's no, it's totally that's and I'm not to be all about me because I'm like the billionth guy. You know, in the world to talk about, I once had panic attacks, and they're, they're only interesting. Everyone's had a panic attack. Yeah, I, I mean, they're only interesting. Oh, that are freaks. The uh, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I kind of thought, and I think a lot of people do. I thought I was the only one, and then I read Jay Moore from SNL. He wrote a book about his, you know, career and whatever, and he wrote a whole thing about panic attacks. Same thing. He thought he was dying. He went to the ER, and you know, it's the same thing that everybody with panic attacks did. They, they eventually gave me this stuff. Uh, they, you know, they gave me. Um, Ativan, and um, you know, which is fine. And then it, you know, but it, but uh, it, every now and again, maybe once a year, it'll happen. And I can actually, every so often, if I'm not really careful about it, uh, I can trigger one by talking about something that freaks me out, like this heart attack. Like I can totally feel myself sort of tensing up right now. So I've kind of learned to get a handle on it. But man, I got to tell you, in those first, now this will be the thing where I'm talking about. No, it's just a panic attack, and then bam, I'll keel over on the floor. The uh, but in those first few weeks before you figure out what it is and before you get yourself to a doctor or a shrink or whatever, it's like the worst thing ever. I mean, it's unbelievably unpleasant because you're just convinced that you're about to like drop dead on the spot. So, all right, Sarah, no death fears, drowning. I don't like to verbalize burning buildings. Oh come on, we we all did. No, I don't come like on. talking about that. Kind I'm of just stuff. saying, is there something that fills you with you know? Well, I mean, since I do. You know, every once in a while, maybe perhaps have the occasional cigarette. Perhaps you fear might... lung cancer. Yes, perhaps I'm already in the beginning stages. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. That's what I'm talking about. Way to go. I like your spunk. Thank you. No, you never know because, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like there are new diseases and, you know, types of cancer. And women can get that very single day. Yes, they can. All right. Great talk, guys. <laughs> I see. Match your mouth. You feeling better now? Much better. Okay. I think you may have reached a stasis with that mouth of yours. I doesn't seem to be improving anymore. It seems like it sort of hit a ceiling on improvement. Well, it, it has to cross this threshold from here to there. My face is back. But what was Tim scared of? Tim, were you scared of heart attacks too? Cancer. Cancer. Yeah. yeah. So cancer. It, so it goes heart attack, cancer. But you're more likely to get cancer, cancer than any of us because yes. you lived in Kennewick. Well, but again, Tim came from a from a polluted town as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, and you didn't. Bremerton doesn't seem all that polluted. No, it's not too bad. I mean, it's it's beautiful there. I mean, regardless of how trashy the city itself is, we're in the middle of mountains and trees. It is trashy. Well, that's where gorgeous. the smoking comes in. So we are all just products okay, of where we came okay. from. No, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just saying. I don't want to talk about this anymore. It, this is a morbid purpose. Yeah. Talk about puppies and rainbows. Especially since Tim's face hasn't come back to normal yet. We should save that until after his face comes back. You know, Tim, time yeah. lost is face lost. Uh, also, final note: Richie's afraid of drowning. That's Richie's big fear. Oh, that's kind of scary. Drowning, too. man. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I, I wouldn't want to go that way. Not really. That there's a whole lot of ways I'd want to go. I guess now that I let's stop this. Here's Tim Riley. Yeah. Sorry. Well, let's talk about puppy dogs. Uh, Beagle has uh, one at the Westminster Dog Show. His name is Uno. He has taken his first winning steps at America's top dog show. This is a tri-colored 15-inch Beagle. Bonded about the ring, trying to grab his leash. And usually took the best of breeds at the Westminster Kennel Club show. He advances to judging in the Hound Group, 
Who knew what Beagle was a howl? Oh, I guess it is. A Beagle does howl, doesn't it? Uh, no Beagle has ever won the Best in Show, and the 100 times the award has been presented. A Beagle hasn't even won the Hound Group since 1939. While barking and baying at every chance with his light-tipped tail wagging, three-year-old Uno appeared to be becoming a crowd-pleaser. Handler Aaron Wilkinson says, He was really his very little pound self. More than 2,600 dogs are competing for the top prize. The Best in Show will be presented tonight. What I'm trying to pick my way through that. Um, <laughs> uh, you wanted to hear a story about puppy dogs. I did. Well, there is one. I would like to. Uh, I'd like to thank you for helping us out. Uh, first of all, I can never in my head conjure up the difference. But I get basset hound and beagle confused. A basset hound is a long, long dog with ears. long ears. It's a. It's a like. It is a, a hound with short legs. Now you said that. A beagle is a hound. I thought a That's hound was just like here. a catch-all term for dog. No, like, no, a hound's a hound. Hounds howl. Hounds do not bark. Is that true? Is that the, is that the distinction? Well that's, well, that's one of the, the common uh, elements of a hound. So a hound is not just a generic term for dog, like a colloquialism. No, it's a type of dog. It's a hunting dog. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right, then. Yeah, I, was, uh, I was around hounds most of my life. That's how I know. And so a beagle uh, has never won this dog show before. No, never. Interesting. Uh, later on, we'll be talking to Steve Castabon uh, a little bit more about that. I think what's his name? Charles McCord from the Imus show has a dog uh, in that show every year. I think he's like some... He's a dog raiser, breeder, something of renown. Um... By the way, Tim, you may, I'm going to do a couple of calls. You might want to look this up. There's, um, this is unconfirmed. Uh, there's some alleged breaking news about a um, school shooting that's happening somewhere. Well, there was one earlier this morning, but it wasn't in this area. Is that not, I, all I know is what this, this guy says. There's some email from somebody who says, breaking news, school shooting in Oxnard. Oh, that's Oxnard, California. Yeah. yeah, that was earlier today. Okay, so is that already sort of resolved? Yeah. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, it's Jesse McGuff. What? What's up? Yes. Hey, um, hi, sir. Hi, Tim. Oh, Hello. A lot of guys named Jesse who listen. Yes. Yeah, it's all us. Hey, I wanted to send a, I sent you an email the other day about Matt in the Coop, one of your other real loyal listeners. Uh-huh. And uh, he's actually in the hospital right now, probably, or maybe at home on rest. Oh, please tell me he didn't have a stroke. No. no Cancer? Uh, no. Drowning? Sure. He he survived a drowning. Okay. What was it's he, really is it, but he, okay, he was in the hospital. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to release why he was in the hospital. I mean, you know, that's his personal Sure, business, yeah, no, I was going to say, but he's home, he's he's better? He's, he's home, he's getting better, he's not allowed to go back to work, but he's a real big fan. He was, he was, if I recall correctly, he's the one who actually brought you the skull that you guys were messing with last year. Yes, yeah, the skull, he once had a complete skeleton, then by the time his ex-wife what got done with it was... Name? George? George, yeah. yeah, George. No, he brought us the skull, which, by the way, is still proudly displayed in my office. Um... And uh, people come in, and as they're sitting on the other side of the desk talking to me, I can see their eyes dart nervously from my face to the eyes of the skull and back to me. So it is the gift that keeps on giving. Well, and so anyway, he was a real big fan of yours and wanted to hopefully maybe you can send him a, a shout-out. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, so best wishes from uh, from uh, all of us to, to him. Hope he, uh, if you're listening, continue on the comeback trail, my friend. Thanks Thank for you. letting us know that, sir. You bet. Best however. Right. Thank you, my friend. All right. Uh, yeah, so that, that thing that somebody wrote out about Oxnard, California, one was hurt at a shooting near uh, Oxnard Junior High School. Oxnard, by the way, is in uh, Ventura County. It is like Gresham by the sea. It's not a very good place to begin with. You know you're in Oxnard because you're driving through broken glass. <laughs> Gresham by the sea. Basically. Uh, it's almost. So, I mean, there's shootings everywhere there all the time. So. It's almost hard I to believe nobody ever there. wrote a song called that. <laughs> Uh, see, this is what I'm talking about. Rick, I have a morbid fear of jumping into a river that turns out to be filled with piranha. 
It's weird things that get in your head when you're, uh, mm-hmm. especially when you're younger. And then finally, we'll take the final uh, email on this. Rick, I really don't want to burn to death, but I'm also afraid of drowning. At least both can't happen at the same time, so I feel like I've got that working out for me. Well done. All right, here's Tim Riley. Against overwhelming odds, Mike Huckabee keeps brushing off calls to drop his presidential bid for good for the Republican Party. He's an ordained Baptist minister and followed in the footsteps of spoilers, such as Ted Kennedy in 1980, among others. Uh, this time, he refuses to quit, but he'll never get enough delegates anyway. Uh, let's talk about uh, Valentine's Day, because it's coming up shortly. Uh, keep in mind that the observance has changed in many ways. This information comes from a new survey done by PayPal. Among other things, the survey says that Valentine's Day is no longer just with spouses and significant others. Oh, wait a minute. One more. And significant others. My mom at place, it's still not playing. <laughs> you know what you sound like right now? You you would just, like if you had a little more nasality to your voice just now when you were trying to play the sound clip, mm-hmm. you had kind of a Yosemite Sam, kind of a rack of frats thing kind of going on there. Oh, rack of frats. Valentine's Day is no longer yeah. just with spouses and significant others. Especially for single Americans, younger, it's about giving gifts, and not just to significant others, but to friends and family and children. Yes, because they just haven't captured enough of the of the gift-giving market. Now let's make people who aren't even attached gives gifts to total strangers. Yes. There's uh, there's now a gender confusion over who pays on dates. The majority of men still think, according to the, the PayPal survey, that they should pay on the first date and, and in Valentine's Day gifts in general, whereas women are more inclined to, to think both parties, or whoever did the asking, should pay. She's just making this up. Yeah, she's totally making mm-hmm. that. That's completely untrue. She just wants a reality television program. That's exactly everybody. That's exactly what it is. Everybody's just angling for like 19 minutes on VH1. Um, hey, Richie, I apologize for this being the second day in a row that I'm asking you to do this. Can you bring me a coffee cup, please? I feel like such a jerk doing that. I gotta bring in my like a real like a permanent coffee cup tomorrow. I keep using these weird bubbly ones in the kitchen. Uh, all right. Hey, by the way, speaking of VH1, has anybody seen that show? I think we talked about this, but it was during a break yesterday. Apparently, there's some some sitcom on VH1 that takes place uh, inside a radio station. I heard about it, but I couldn't find yeah, it. Yeah, you made mention it's of it. It's called Free Radio, Radio Free, something or other. Um, VH1 is starting to turn into E. It, with, with, like, low bottom-of-the-barrel program ideas. Yeah. No, it, well, it has really become... VH1 has really become a terrible, poorly funded version of, like, Maxim or Blender. Yeah. Where it's all like four minute interviews and then like a, a list of like the 50th blankiest blanks, you know? Uh, so th- that, I mean, they, they really have found a niche and they are just relentlessly like strip mining it. So, but I guess they've got, uh, this is apparently like a sitcom or something. I don't really know a whole lot about it. I uh, looked it up the other night, but it, all of this is, you know, reruns of shows they've shown a million times before. Well, and. The other thing that VH1 has is that they have now done that thing of extending the brand, where they had VH1, then there was just VH1 and VH1 Classic. Now there's like VH1, VH1 Classic, VH1 uh, Hits, I think. There's VH1, thank you, Richard. There's VH1 Country, VH1 Latin, I think. And so VH, and so there's, and here's the other thing. Have you noticed how stuff that aired, and I think this cycle is happening faster and faster. Stuff that originally aired on VH1 like two years ago has now already been moved to VH1 Classic. Yeah. Like anything more than 18 months old, it's classic programming. But I guess on VH1 they have they have created some sitcom, mm-hmm. and I don't have it in front of me. I have to look it up. Somebody will call about it at some point. But um, but, but I guess the, the the general plot is that a morning shuck jock 
uh, quits or is fired or something. And so then the morning show on the radio station, I say all this having not seen it and really only knowing from people emailing about it. the, The morning host quits, apparently, and then the morning show has to be done by, like, the female sidekick and an unpaid intern. And then, and then, of course, the show was like a surprise runaway hit. Blah 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 blah. So that's the setup. Is it like, like some woman and some unpaid intern start doing the morning show? It becomes a huge hit, and then from then on, it's just like the the zany trials and travails of whatever this radio station is. So I have to watch it at some point just so I can just to see if it's, it's terrible. So. Uh, so General Motors has posted the largest global loss in the history of any American car company. But that nearly $39 billion global loss for 2007 is just a paper loss. The number one automaker took a one-time write-off of the third quarter. If you step back and look at the operations, which ultimately is what drives the valuation of GM, I mean, it was a year of improvement, actually, in terms of automotive operations. Whatever. That's uh, <laughs> Rich Henderson, the GM vice vice chairman. Well, doesn't that sound exactly like... Uh, Not just a vice chairman, but a vice vice chairman. Doesn't that sound exactly like somebody up in management? No, 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 this loss is actually a win. That's like when he's mm-hmm. in front trying to, like, he's doing his uh, his dance in front of the shareholders. He's like the Mitt Romney of GM. <laughs> and, he's, and he's got that thing where it's the big graph paper and it's like the jagged red line just going down. It's like, what we've actually got here is a tremendous opportunity for growth. And meanwhile, the line is like down by the floor. So it only means that they lost $23 million last year instead of $39 billion. Bonuses all around. Well, friendly the top executives, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, oh, who wouldn't want uh, John Kerry's endorsement? He continues to rank Barack Obama. He doesn't bring it up very often. You never heard him mention John Kerry, but yes, it's true. He thinks Obama could bring parties together throughout the country, this John Kerry fellow does. The fact is that Barack Obama is uh, building a larger, I think, more representative coalition of independents and Republicans and Democrats, and that's why I think he can unify the country. Hard to believe he lost. Mm -hmm. God, you know what they played on, um, I was watching CNN the other day, and they were doing this show called um, Broken Government, and it's an ongoing series where each, about sort of the problems with the political system, and each episode focuses on a different thing on KCMD Portland. One of them was all Lou of... Dobbs and his clanking teeth? <laughs> Lou, Lou, Lou Dobbs and his huge Richard Keel teeth. <laughs> Where you just... You expect Bond to be shoving a lamp into his mouth? <laughs> Smile, you son of a bitch! Um, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. <laughs> we're merging, like, four different movies there. Um, eh, anywho, no, uh, no, 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 that's... No, no, Lou Dobbs... Oh, my God, did you hear that they're trying to float a radio show for him? Why not? Everybody else is getting one. It's like 1992 all over again, where every single person uh, over the age of, like, 100 gets a radio program. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was, it was like episode, like there was an episode talking about health care, and there's an episode talking about whatever, the, co- the, the, the electoral college. And then there was one talking all about um, dirty politics. And they were talking about the Willie Horton ad and... Uh, uh, boy, you know that Willie played that Willie Horton ad for the first time. Like I, the first time I'd seen it all the way through in years. Mm-hmm. That's still a really powerful ad. <laughs> it's just like Willie Horton, who just looks like evil personified. Mm-hmm. Willie Horton was let out, and then he cut up a family of fifteen and baked them into pies. You know, it's just like you're the uh, like you're ready to put Michael Dukakis in prison after seeing that. And then they showed the was it the the LBJ ad with the girl picking the daisy. Yeah. And it's you know that was well that was that was the only that was the Goldwater ad okay yeah and yeah. it's and then they do the close up on her eye and you see the mushroom cloud um, you know that ad only ran once yeah it was like the Super Bowl it was like the 1984 Macintosh ad 
Um, but then they show the Swift Boat ad, you know, where it's like, John Kerry is a bastard. Or whatever, you know, whatever. Steve Holt is a bastard. He doesn't even know who his real father is. Um, so, but they're showing the John Kerry Swift Boat stuff that just screwed him. And you know what? That stuff didn't make me cringe. Like that, I, I watched those ads, the Swift Boat ads, and I thought... Well, yeah, you know, those were underhanded and kind of scurrilous and full of trickery and slickery and whatever. And, you know, those couldn't have helped him, certainly. But, you know, what was really, you know, what made me cringe the most is when they, that idiot thing they did at the convention where John Kerry came out and said, My name is John Kerry, and I'm reporting for duty. And, and I then just, he saluted like Shirley <laughs> Temple. <laughs> totally. Exactly. And he expected him to do a tap dance. <laughs> With some guy in a minstrel. <laughs> with, with 36 curls on his head. Um, it just, I, I cringed. Like, well, I was in the other America room. Cringed. Oh, my God. When they played that, it, that was in my living room. I was actually in my office ironing a shirt. So I was, like, I had the door, the ironing boards on the back of the door. So I, I actually had the door. I couldn't even see it. All I could hear was the sound because I had the door shut. But it was loud enough that I could hear it. And I'm reporting for duty. And I actually stopped for a second. And did you ever get that thing where you get, it's like a cringe, but it's almost like chills. That, and you actually do the thing where you kind of go, ah, and you sort of have to, like you're doing the twist for a second, like trying to get the cringe. Like, I can't wash the cringe off. So, Jesus, it was terrible. That was bad. God, F that guy. All right. Yeah. Here he is again. We need his votes to come out. Wonderful. Nobody Thanks. should take anything for granted. People need to go to the polls today. The sooner the better because of the weather later. Right. And hopefully uh, that'll make the difference. Well, now that he's on the case, all is saved. <laughs> Jesus. Is Carl Click here already? I mean, he's supposed to be here at 1. I thought he was supposed to be here at 2. No, 1. Really? Yeah. Glad you remember that I was... Wondering. Even in my condition, I can remember certain things. <laughs> Even at your advanced at your advanced age and in his condition, mm -hmm. he's doing well for someone in his condition. <laughs> um, no, for I, I, for a minute I thought he was here like an hour early, and I was wondering if he was like the Carl Weathers condition show. No, sort of we told him one o'clock. Hanging out, wondering if there was any food in the kitchen. All right, uh, well, he knows there's no food. Bring him in here in a. I'm sure uh, he's better than we do over there. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Washington State Republican Party has released additional results from this weekend's presidential caucus, and John McCain is still the winner. There are 96 percent of the results in. McCain has uh, 3,191 precinct delegates. Mike Huckabee only 2,898. The difference is just 293. Oh, Ron Paul won 21 percent of Washington's precinct delegates. Of course he did. With uh, Mitt Romney, who dropped out, getting 15 percent. The latest numbers came after Huckabee's campaign bitterly complained, calling the race unfortunate for everyone. Uh, apparently, oh, well, they said McCain was the winner with 87% of the vote in. So that was a fair thing to do, and that's, a, that's what the media does. You know, I got a, uh, I won't say who, but I got a text message from somebody uh, the night that that Washington caucus was happening, because apparently in Washington, you don't even need to show your ID there. Which I thought you had to do at a caucus because it was a smaller and, you know, like, like it was a smaller group of people. It's not, although maybe not. I guess maybe that doesn't surprise me because there was some there was some discussion about you know states where you know having to wanting to make people show an ID and what kind of ID and whatever. Mm -hmm. but, but this guy sent me a text. And he's like, he's like, hey, so uh, so I'm you know I'm busy tonight. I'm not really able to make it. You know, if you want, you can just go caucus under my name in Washington. Just yeah. tell me, me. They won't ask. And for a minute, I was like, really? I ought to. And that's yeah, another pasty white man with the beer belly and suspenders. <laughs> What are you saying? <laughs> Nothing. What is that? <laughs> what? 
I don't even own suspenders. No, I'm not saying that. You're not even a resident of Washington State. That's what I'm, That's why I wouldn't do it, Tim, because I follow the law. Rick Emerson is not a crook. Rick Emerson does not break God's law nor man's law. Right. Okay. I are on the Rick Emerson show. Oh, hey, Rick. Uh, hate to rehash. Sorry, sir. But, uh, this but April, please do it. Please do it uh, endlessly. You bet. Uh, this April will be the uh, year two of when I had my heart attack, and I'll tell you what happened to me real quickly. It was at nighttime when it happened. I went back upstairs to my room. My my chest was kind of hurting. You know, I didn't know if it was, you know, a heart attack or not. So this was Saturday, or Sunday evening. So, so you thought we, you'd call the doctor after a stromboli. Well, yeah, well, yeah, kind of. But anyway, you know, so I go to work on Monday, felt like crap, you know, told him at work, I said, go home. Wait, hold on. Let's let's back up. When when did your chest first start hurting you? When I, when, I, 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 when I went back up to the stairs, up to my room to go back to bed. But, I mean, what night was this? This was a Sunday evening. So, Sunday night, your yeah, chest is hurting, and you, quote, didn't know if it was a heart attack or not. Right, right. I never had one before. But so then you just went to work the next day. And so, yeah, I went to work, did not feel good. They let me go home. Tuesday, got through the day, still not feeling good. And then Wednesday, at one of my stops, all of a sudden, my chest started going really berserk, uh, and I, then uh, I decided, you know what, I probably should go to a higher power. So after work, I go to urgency care, and now this is when you know something is seriously wrong with you, because I've never seen people move so fast, not even in the emergency, you know. <laughs> These guys, I mean, I told them what my symptoms were, go over here and get an EKG, come right back here, don't, we'll, don't stand in line, you know. So, I mean, I go back after I give them my test, they come out like two minutes later, I go back, Doctor does this thing, says you're going up to the hospital, you're going up in an ambulance. And they take me up to the hospital in the ambulance. They have a, everything waiting for me as I get in. They wheel me in. They hook me up to all these machines. And the machines were going berserk while I'm sitting there because they're looking at these machines going. And the doctor looked at me and said, you know, if you weren't talking to me, I think we'd be having problems. And so a little time goes on. I'm talking to my stepdaughter, and we're talking. All of a sudden, the machine goes into that flatline noise. Oh, know? my God, and, you're kidding me. Oh, no, this is what happened, you know, and we're talking. And my stepdaughter looked at me. I looked at her, and I said, see, that thing says I'm, I said, this is how bad I am. That thing says I'm flatline. I'm talking to you. And she didn't think that was funny. The machine actually, but you were conscious oh, yeah. while the machine flatlined. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, like dude. I said, even before that, the machine was going berserk, and they were looking at me like, whoa, you know. But, you know, I felt fine. So what ended up happening, you know, all in all, um, was uh, I, you know, had a little operation. I got two oh. cents put in, you know, and I take my medicine, and, you you know, it doesn't even feel like it ever even happened. Oh. But, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll be 47. I'm going to be 47 in March 7th, your birthday also. So, all you right. know. You just have to kind of watch these things, but, you know, I just do my exercise like they tell me to do and take my pills, but everything's been fine. But, yeah, right. I was a little hard. I was a little hard-headed. You don't want to be hard-headed on thanks for Thanks for putting that in my head. Hey, no problem. Yeah, bye now. Jesus. That made everyone feel better, Well, it's it? like Mellon, John Mellencamp tells that story about how, you know, he felt terrible and he... And it, the, have you noticed this, too, when you have something really bad that is either about to happen or already happening to you, it's never like... And then it felt like a herd of elephants was standing on my thorax. It's always like, well, I was kind of feeling generally run down and, you know, cold and flu symptoms. And, uh, you know, so I just uh, stayed off my feet and took some aspirin. And uh, 
It was only later that they found out that a family of weevils had eaten away 30% of my brain. You know, and it's, I, you just, which is terrible because then, because then you're watching stuff and you go, my God, I'm feeling run down. It's, honey, it's weevils. So I, though, just one brief note. I have had uh, that thought when you go to the, the whatever, the urgent care, the, you know, the whatnot, and you're standing there and there's that sign that says, if you are feeling tingling in your limbs, or it says something like, if you're feeling tingling or a chest pain, you know, please tell us, like, now. Uh, and there, there actually have been times when the wait is so goddamn long at those places that I'm sort of tempted to be like, yeah, I don't know. I uh, yeah, I have this really bad splinter uh, under my big toe. Also, chest pains. Just so they'll like put me to, to the front of the line. Because Letterman tells that story where Letterman went to the hospital because he was feeling again. Wait for it. Generally run down, and they put the electrodes on him. And he said like the electrodes hadn't been on him like 12 seconds when they're like, "Give me a scalpel," and they're like, like down on the table. All, within 20 minutes, they had, they were like cutting him open. So Jesus, you're just making us all feel better today. I'm just saying I'm not going to suffer alone. Taking you all with me. Yeah. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today? Mm. You were smiling. It's so full of life. You know what? It was fun until you started talking to Death Talk. I don't like it when you talk Death Talk. It's not fun. No more. Like, I'd really rather prefer that we just move off from that You feel that life is for the living. Yes, I feel like when we were all laughing about Tim's condition, it was a lot funner (laughs) than like, oh, what's our inevitable death going to be? Did you really just say it was funner? Yeah, sure. I love the word. Why not pick on the anchor man? Let's pick on the anchor man. Carl Click, hello, sir. Actually, I can just step out and bring Dr. Dina Dell in if you'd like. We're hey, doing a medical show. Good reference. <laughs> I love Heart that guy. Heart attacks and strokes and. I remember here's Dr. Dina Dell. Is he even on the air anymore? Oh, sure, on weekends. Yeah, was the show. Mm-hmm. I remember, Dina Dell is so great because he's sort of like. Um, I'm trying to think of who to compare him to, but he's 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 kind of like uh, the Bruce Williams of the medical world. You know, where he's just kind of a folksy guy that knows a whole lot, but isn't sure. Sort of an older Dr. Drew. But all his advice is always, and go see your doctor. Totally. <laughs> Which, well, that's like the Bruce Williams. And, you kiddo, know, you want to have the advice of counsel. I remember I remember Dr. Dean Adele at one point. This is years ago. Uh, I was listening to him. And it, it's kind of great when you... Talk radio is really wonderful because you can flick around and just sort of catch people midway through sentences or discussions. But I remember... Um, tuning in one time to the Dr. Dana Dell show, and all I heard him say was, so in the grand total, crack really isn't as bad for you as people would have you think. I'm Dr. Dana Dell, back after this. And I mean, I'm just... And you sort of hear that you go, like, what possible context? Like, what framework could you put on that sentence that would make it acceptable? So, uh, whatever. I have to compliment Tim Riley. I mean, he's got to be, what, employee of the year coming in? Playing through the pain. Yeah. Well, that was actually part of my, my audition to be the new anchorman at K2. Well, <laughs> I said they were going to be listening to that. And I decided to give them my best. I'm going to get you a gift basket of some kind. But there's nothing more fun than listening to a guy with Novocaine affecting his mouth say Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. We'll uh, never win an award on this program, ever. No. No. And I would like to thank you on this beautiful day, the first sunny day we've had since, I think, July, to bring me into a studio with absolutely no windows. It's what we do. No windows and everything covered in black. So it's kind of a constant in here. This is stasis. It's yeah, beautiful. Everything fine here? Yeah. At the Emerson Show? Everything. Sarah's, Sarah's uh, the lovely Sarah Dillon. I miss you. Oh, I miss you too, Carl. How are you today? Everything is fine, although I should say, uh, not to revisit the unpleasantness, but we ne- at the end of it all, the whole point of that discussion, we never did find the symptoms for a stroke. So you could be having one right now. And then we just they be on case. They said tingling. Is that what they said, tingling? Yeah. 
Well, we do have an emergency kit for bodily waste <laughs> that we haven't tried yet. So if sputum should begin spraying out of your eyes, Carl, we'll be able to get you taken care of. Boy, I'm safe now. Let me ask you this. How uh, apprehensive on a scale of 1 to 10 would you say it makes you when you come on uh, a show uh, like this? Because K2, of course, they, being the new, are you still the new spirit in Northwest? Uh, no, we are on your side. Mine specifically, or just people in general? Anybody who needs to be. Okay. It's not where they need somebody on their side, we're there. It's our two in a cricket red box. That new logo? It's two in a cricket red box. I, cricket red box. It, cricket it's red a, box? It's, yes. a, it's a banner. It's a flag. It's oh, the, it's, it's the, like the Fisher flag. It, there you go. It's the Channel 2 flag. <laughs> it's the what, Tim? The Fisher flag. I remember that from our days at Fisher. The, the whole show should be throwing him phrases that we have to hear uh, I, with Novocaine. I wish that we had sort of thought of that at 11 o'clock, because I have to tell you, like 10.30 this morning, Sarah and I both saw him in separate rooms, but about 30 seconds well, Sarah apart. Sarah saw me first. <laughs> oh, man. You look like you just had a stroke. It, it really... Well, it was either that or the Botox that he went in for this morning. Right? Seriously, but it was like they just Botoxed half of his face and one of his vocal, like half his larynx. Jesus. All right. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, Richie, uh, at the behest of, you know, everyone, let's screen out other... And then I came within a hair's breadth of dying stories. <laughs> Let's just... I really, I feel like that guy, you know, really summed it up the last. I'm not, long I don't want you to think color. I'm trying to be morbid. I'm just saying, you know, I think that there is a certain. I think it's. A, I think it's a little bit relatable. And it is, well, I, think I mean, it's I, a yeah, it's people relatable identify because with. everybody's afraid that they're going to die. But see, that guy lived through it. I'm not afraid of anything. Tim <laughs> is fearless. Yeah, but I mean, then he'll eventually mess. die from something else. We all will, Rick Emerson. Then we'll just play best of that <laughs> where I'm skipping like Max Headroom. Yeah. <laughs> well, every other word skips into something else. At last, Zoidberg gets the program. We'll play ten years of dead air before anybody notices. <laughs> I'll just do headlines at the top every hour saying you're coming back tomorrow. No one will be any the wiser. <laughs> Your faithful uh... audience would we would know. we would know. Jesus. All right. Carl Click gets to work with Natalie Marmion at five in the morning. Yeah, Natalie's joined us in the morning now. Natalie who? Marmion. 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 Okay, I couldn't tell. That's one of those names, though, where really you can't tell somebody's slurring it or not, let's be honest. Um, She's the chick on the right-hand corner of E! True Hollywood Story. Very good reference. Okay, excellent. See, even when I know Ken, you guys knew what I was talking about. No, I totally know who you're talking about. Now you know who I'm talking about. Really? That is got to be about 12 years old when Natalie worked in uh, in Palm Springs. Springs. Yeah. And she was just some anchor that they had chosen for the kind of the newsy, hip, uh, uh, you know, open that they have. She to, still to, looks the same. She's a lovely woman and a great news anchor. She is. I'd like to hear her do it with uh, Novocaine when she's reading the news. We'll What's do it together. Marmion? Marmion. Yeah, Marmion. She's been here for Marmion. 10 years working with Steve Dunn in the nights, and she's now joined us in the mornings at K2. She looks isn't, lovely even at 5 o'clock in the morning. Isn't Marmion... Isn't that some sort of... No, I'm thinking of marmalade. What is that... Uh, there's that spread. It's not marmalade. That's marmalade. No, no, no. But, but what is that stuff that they put on toast that has the really bizarre name? Marmalade. No, no, no. There's marmalade. There's jam. There's jelly. I don't know what you put on toast. Is there something else? And it's like in Britain, and it has a really, really bizarre butter. Don't mock me, Carl Click. <laughs> Did anybody ask you to change your name at any point in your broadcasting career? Did they think that uh, Click was maybe that it sounded like a That's memorable, name? though. Yeah. It is. One one veteran newscaster, when I first started, suggested that, because he felt as though his kids grew up with his name mm. and got uh, maybe teased a little bit or something like that. Uh, and uh, when he turned and walked away, everybody else in the newsroom went, no, nah, don't you dare change your name. Yeah. No, it is memorable. And, he, and as we noted yesterday, Carl Click is one of those names that you just got to say the entire thing. Like, you can't just say Carl. It's got to mm-hmm. be Carl Click. Yeah. Good. I like that. 
Well, let's just uh, we'll roll forward with the news. Feel free to chime in as only you can, sir. And if you've uh, brought anything with you, feel free to contribute. Well, I brought some things for Carl, too. If they're good stuff, I have to take it back to the newsroom with me. Oh, this is all good stuff. I don't think you want to let us prepare your news. I think that would be. I don't think Casey would want you to like That would be a wonderful newscast and also the last one you ever did. What is interesting is to uh, read the news uh, in the morning and noon and then be driving home listening to Tim and hear him read the news that we just read. We really do give an entire. Oh, you're the, the way I steal the, the stories from K2 every day? Uh, no, it's just uh, nice. I change a few words. Do you, well, then you got it. You're, you're safe then if you change just one or two words. By the way, I did notice there was another story on TMZ today that uh, that had the uh, blah, 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 or we barely knew her. Today. Oh. That was like the second one I've noticed. A lot of yeah. funny. Now that I can barely speak again, I have a bone <laughs> to pick with somebody who is stealing my material. Yesterday, I coined the phrase, an original phrase, abomination. I said it at 11 o'clock. Yes. By 1 o'clock, another form of media stole that and used it in a story. So the phrase, abomination. Uh, if we, you go to RileyLive.com, I have a link to who stole that. I think somehow the Novocaine actually helps your scorn because it gives you that little hint of, like, Bob, that hint of get off my lawn that you really need. So, all right, RileyLive.com, you can see the details of the theft. Right. Someone is stealing my material. Again. Again. Uh, all right. Um, hello. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello, this is John, long-time listener, called just a few times, uh, best show ever. Hey, uh, maybe you're thinking of Nutella or uh, apple butter, but that's not why I called, uh, you know, the alternative for marmalade. Anyway, as I know, we mustn't laugh at uh, people who have suffered the effects of Novocaine from the dentist chair, even Thank though it's hilarious, or the effects of a stroke, certainly not. Um, uh-huh. you, you should watch Kirk... Uh, Oh, what's his name? Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas's Lifetime Achievement Award when they wheeled him out on stage. Um, you know, they, just, now, hold on. Let's, let's stop. Let's slow down. First of all, did they really wheel him out on stage? Uh, I, I mean, or, or did, what, did he, did he uh, hobble out himself? Or, I mean, how no. did he walk himself uh, no. out? Or? I kid you not. He was wheeled out. In a chair? Yes. Well, what can you do? All right. I know. And I, I feel sorry for the guy. Now, was, know, he, was he intelligible at all, or was it just a mash of syllables? Um, it was a mash of syllables, sort of like Dick Clark. Yeah, that's unfortunate. We're ringing in the ball coming down and all that. But um, I think it would be humorous, um, and maybe Sarah, as the producer, would agree, that if you had a uh, – the ultimate resource for tongue twisters is actually by Dr. Seuss. He has two books called Oh Say, Can You Say and Fox in Socks. And if you can get him to read one of those, it would be hilarious. They're the, they're the hardest uh, tongue twisters that you can imagine. Trust me on that. What about the poems of Suzanne Summers and her book, Touch Me? Would that suffice? Yeah, I mean, you should have a reason. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes. I'm the guy, I'm the truck driver that called it with a suggestion for what X for Sarah X Dillon might be. And you guys called me creepy after I called because I said that she has sort of a sexy voice. But I'm not creepy, so I was sort of like... Uh, Thinking I shouldn't call for a while after that because I don't want you to think I'm some stalker, creepy guy. But well, anyway, be. <laughs> just for your edification and humor only. But so have him read the tongue twist. Have him read the Shinner Blin, uh, Shin, the 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 Shin Pinner. Easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what's going on in this call. I can't even. No, just have him read the the, the uh, from Fox and Socks or Say Can You Say by Doctor Seuss, the yeah. late great. Something Jeezel, the guy who died, Dr. Seuss. <laughs> okay, anyway. we have to go now. That's an impressive caller that has... I'm putting out time I can't Uh-huh. Jesus. It's an impressive caller that has Dr. Seuss itemized and labeled in his book, and <laughs> he knows Seriously. exact chapter and verse for each saying. And people are really intense today. I was just yeah. saying, he was really, like, I picked it up, and it's like he was bursting out of the phone into the studio. People really need to calm down. <laughs> it's true. All right, we'll get more of these calls. 
you know, in a while, everybody mm. settled down mm. a bit. Here's Tim Riley. So one of my favorite things to do when Carl comes here is to play anchor co-anchor. So I'm going to do a story first, Carl. Then I'm going to give one to you. Do I get the good one or you get the better one? That's how it works so, at the anchor desk. So we I, always right. fight over the good stories. So I go first, then you go, and I'll and I'll do the proper handoff, like I'm Natalie Marmion or something. Uh, credit unions accept deposits, but not of methamphetamine. A woman who allegedly dropped off an envelope containing money in a bag of meth at the Kitsap Credit Union was arrested and charged with drug possession. The bank employee reported the deposit to police and contacted the 18-year-old customer. Officials say she would have mistakenly included the bag when she got money out of her pocket for a deposit at the Breverton Bank. Hmm. Carl? <laughs> That's great, Tim. Also, <laughs> also in the news, a foul smell that had been irritating tenants in an apartment building turned out to be an unkind gift left in the microwave. An 87-year-old woman on Wednesday called Bremerton Police to her apartment building on the 100 block of Lafayette Avenue North to tell police about the discovery. The woman said on Monday evening she heard several complaints about the smell, a foul odor. The woman looked for the source of the noxious stench but was unable to find it until other residents told her it seemed to be emanating from the recreation room to which all residents have access. The smell led her to the microwave. Inside the microwave, there was a substance that she determined was, oops, human feces. Oh. <laughs> well, well, that would be a surprise. Is that the first time you've ever used that phrase in a news story? Oh, no, 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 no. Is that true, really? Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, crud we have to read about that we put the word feces in. Really? <laughs> oh, isn't every uh, animal neglect uh, story? And the house was covered in feces. Yeah, no, that is true. Unfortunately. Except you didn't do the obligatory, a woman is... Oh, hold on, how would you do this? The Well, finally tonight, a Bremerton woman is raising a stink about something she said was left behind in the rec room microwave. There you go. It's like little you do the pond. Exactly. I did That's leave off the tag there, Tim. There were no suspects. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's Rondo with the weather. <laughs> yeah. I wish you could hear him here sometime, too. I agree. with. She's I like the time of the favor tomorrow. So yes. Also. Yes, she is. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, hi, Rick. Uh, I just wanted to call about the uh, stuff you were talking about, people in England putting on their toast that wasn't marmalade. Yes, sir. Uh, that would be Marmite. Now, see, doesn't Marmite sound like a substance you use to blow up a police car? That doesn't uh, like it certainly could be. It's a uh, yeast extract, actually. It's uh, real gooey and thick, and mm. it's uh, nice. Heaping kind of, helping kind of yeast. And, what's that? It's kind of yeasty, really. Yeah, it's actually very savory tasting. What does that mean when someone says uh, that, a, that a food object is savory? As opposed to sweet. Does savory mean, I mean, it, but I mean, we all know it's sweet. That's a sugar you know, taste. like beefy-like. Beefy. <laughs> Enjoy your toast, everyone. <laughs> I like some nice beefy toast. Yeah, exactly. So savory means meat-like. Yeah, like, you know. Is yeah. it like Vegemite that they have in, uh, down okay, under? That's another yeah. one. So there's yeah. Vegemite. So are Vegemite and Marmite the same thing? Uh, I think uh, Vegemite might be the like veggie the version. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Marmite and Vegemite. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you, best you ever. Thank you. Yeah, I thought Vegemite right. was some kind of like veggie spread. So yeah, I don't know the answer. I only kind of know it's, what Nutella is. It's just a lyric from a, uh, a song from a minute uh, Colin. Song? Yeah, nerds. Uh. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, a partially mummified body was found in a bathtub full of dirt in an apartment complex in Phoenix today. <laughs> it was stacked to the ceiling with garbage and human waste. The owners of the small standalone unit said it was abandoned since August. Say this, Tim. Say, hold on, this whole this whole story brings to mind something. Say this. Say, are you about a size 14? 
Uh, you won't want a size 14. <laughs> okay, there's something there. A little bit of silence of the lambs. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Bathtub full of dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the owners didn't do anything about the filthy apartment until last week when they paid other tenants in the complex to clean it out. The cleaners began removing garbage and boxes and buckets full of human waste. <laughs> when they made their way to the bathroom Friday, they found the bathtub full of dirt and covered with plastic and a sheet of plywood. Then they started shoveling the dirt out. They found the leg of a body and called police. Oh, it is very unusual, very bizarre, said the landlord. The guy was literally buried in the bathtub. So let me ask you this, Tim, as a slumlord yourself, would you, what would you consider the more unpleasant task, having to remove buckets full of feces or having to remove a dead body? Feces. Really? You'd rather move well, the dead my, body? I mean, I, I, He'd I evict own, the dead body. <laughs> I own property in St. John's. You have to expect an occasional <laughs> dead body. <laughs> it's just a given. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hi. Rick, best show, everybody. Thank you. Say hello to Carl Click. Hey, Carl Click. How you doing? I'm outstanding. Your first time caller? Uh, no, no. I call. He's one of the. Uh, he's one of the. One of the many. Uh, uh, workers out there accomplishing nothing during the day because he's hearing feces calls. I always love the, the term first-time caller. People are proud of it. It's like they've never dialed the phone before. Yeah, I just time, figured it all out. First-time <laughs> caller, I finally got the buttons right. Well, we actually, we hear from a lot of people where I say, like, you know, where, yeah, what's going on? It's like, well, I'm at work. And or when Tim will post a video on his site of some, of some sort, uh, like, a, hey, here's a woman being scalded with something. Let's all go watch. And then Tim will register that there's like 4,000 views of it inside half an hour. And you have to wonder exactly how much, like, I wish there was some sort of a real-time graph to see how much the productivity just <laughs> right into the toilet. But that, that stupid clip of me getting uh, stabbed by Paul Williams in the neck got over like a thousand hits, and it's like six seconds. Uh, how can we help you, sir? Well, I was calling to uh, educate you on Vegemite and Marmite. Thank you. Because I know you're dying tonight. I was like, praying the call would be Is that like vitamin yeah, and Vegemite? Yeah. It's actually, uh, I know more about Vegemite because my wife's from Australia, but it's it's actually, it's a yeast extract that they gather when they're actually brewing beer. It's it's kind of like the, uh, you know, like when they make cheese or milk, the ways, the stuff that floats up to the top. Mm -hmm. That's what that is, and they, they scoop it off and they form it into this dark brown, salty crap that they put on their toast. Sounds wonderful. Where can I buy it by the gross? Uh, it's horrible. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you don't say, really? Because something yeah. that sounds like extract of yeast seems really tasty. It's the kind of thing that it's actually really good for you. It's full of vitamins and all that. Here's, but, uh, here's one of life's truisms, sir. Nothing that is skimmed off the surface of anything else is good. But, you know, it tastes like crap, so it has to be good because why else would people eat it? Well, you're good is bad for you. You're confusing good with good for you. Not at all the same. Those are two different worlds, my friend. Right. Well, the only reason why you have to get, you have to hook your child on it when they're a baby. That's the only way they grow up eating it. Dad okay. of the year. Yeah, I'm just gonna say. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it works that way with Nyquil too. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi. Yes, it's you, sir. Hi. Uh, hey. Hey, I was talking about uh, the uh, uh, what is it called? Vegemite too. Uh huh. It's a uh, if you mix it with butter, it tastes like cheese whiz. Wait, and that's good. <laughs> uh, I don't know because it's like a, it's a, for Rick. It's an interesting flavor, but it's kind of. I mean, it's, it's surprisingly tastes like cheese. So if I mix Vegemite and, by the way, Richie, this will be the last Vegemite <laughs> slash Metamite or whatever that is. So if I mix it with butter, it's like having my own cheese whiz factory at home. If you mix, yeah, you mix it with butter, put it on a cracker, close your eyes, it tastes like cheese whiz. Okay. It'll make you. It doesn't make you like it though. All right. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Thank you, sir. All right, All right, there you go. 
You know what it is? This is like the world's most ghetto version of that splendid table show on NPR. I like that I mean? show. I know, but I, I mean, would never eat any of the food, but I love the way the lady does that show. Well, then it's sort of, then I guess this is sort of the same way. You would never eat any of the foods that right. the listeners call. Rick, I have this great thing where I wrap uh, fish sticks in bacon, and then I roll them in grape jelly, and then I deep fry it, and then I leave it inside a sock out back, buried under 15 pounds of chips of bark uh, for a year. And uh, you really have to try it. It is. Just, I mean, it, you know, you got to admire the sort of creativity that goes through that. I'm almost certainly not going to eat any of those things. But hasn't every caller ended it with it tastes like crap? Yeah. No. They all. Well, you know, that's our audience. That's, <laughs> so those, are, those are our people, Carl Clay. All right. Uh, we should take a break here. Uh, we come back. Uh, let's see. We come back. We will have uh, more from Tim Riley, more with Carl Click from K2, uh, and we'll do the uh, we'll do the top five. We'll do the top five here in this next half hour, so you can weigh in on that. Later on, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian is going to be joining us, and Steve Kastenbaum from CNN New York. Stay there. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. makes us different from K2. That and the budget, salaries, esteem. Well, they, need some, they need some chick with purple hair to be spreading gossip at like 5 o'clock in the morning. That's what I'm, I mean. What would it take for you guys to talk about Britney Spears? We do all the time. Now, do you? Is that true? Do you cover like if she's just out like showing off her uh, lady bits? Well, uh, in brevity, we usually keep people up to date on her court appearances and her Dr. Phil visits. And uh, and we get criticized for it, too. I can't. The emails we get, oh, Britney Spears is not know, news. You know, unfortunately, it's on nightly news. The and hell with those people. You know what? That's what we try to email back, but we do it a little nicer way. <laughs> do you have a stock? Uh, how do I? Uh, do you have a stalker? See, no, this is. I was talking to Sarah about this in the hallway. I always feel bad when you're here because I feel like I'm trying to pry dirt out of you, and I'm really not. It's just that there's things I am curious about, such as, like, if somebody emails it, Britney Spears is not news. Do you guys, is there like a form response you send out where you said, like, dear blue hair? Uh, but no. it's like polite. It's thank you for your observations. And it, but you know. doesn't Carl have some emails or something? I, I think some like that that there's no response to. We just kind of just thank you very much. Duly noted. Yeah, Shred. Exactly. All right. Do you uh, have emails I, from, uh, well, from folks? I thought you'd enjoy this one. Uh, we get emails at, uh, all the time at K2, and some of them we answer. But uh, this was uh, from somebody that said, Carl, I was prepared to tell you to loosen up for everybody's sake. You act like you are the most uptight person on the news. I'm so tired of you staying and all the girls leaving. And somehow it seems you have something to do with this. <laughs> I watch the news from time to time. It comes on every morning till AM Northwest and then 5 to 7 at night. Thank God you aren't there any longer. AM Northwest. <laughs> Thank you very much. Excellent. Why are uh, two of my neighbors, my son and my daughter and myself, being forced by Carl to change our news channel? Lighten up, Carl. This is, oh. No, no, no. That guy is everywhere, too. The guy who has... Like two friends and a roommate who agree with him, and therefore, in his world, the totality Monopoly. of America agrees with his assessment of something. However, in, in you know, balance, uh, Carl Click's broadcast should be the example setter for the rest of the announcers on the channels. Nice to hear someone who can speak English properly. He's on par with Charlie Gibson, ABC News. Excellent. Well, so you see, you know, you balance those out. And I've had an average day. Now, do you respond to uh, to hate mail? If someone is like, you are an ass, you know, and why are you allowed on television? You want to know the truth? I, I did respond to that one. I said, 
uh, you can't say I don't have a sense of humor because I'm laughing out loud at your email because I know it was all <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. Thanks for brightening my day. Yeah, our standard, like if someone sends us like a big, long, excor- I mean, I don't know how, how just like Sarah and, and, and Tim handled it, although we get, we get, it's kind of disappointing. I get less hate mail than I used to. Years ago, I used to get a lot of hate mail, and now it's just sort of, I don't know. I, we've either converted everybody to listening, or or they've just they've given up or something. But I'll get a lot of. I get them sporadically. I get them sporadically. Yeah, you know, when I'm already having a bad day, and mm. then that's when that ass just knows exactly. They can sense it. Yeah, and they your hair it. is greasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I counted a mistake that you made at twelve sixteen <laughs> yesterday, and you made another one at twelve forty six the day before. There was one guy, uh, and he stands out because, and I, and I really don't. Uh, I don't say I don't care. I don't, I don't obsess about like I know some guys on the air who obsess about hate mail, and I, there's somebody uh, I won't say who, but there's there's somebody uh, I, we know who just every hate mail he would get. I know you're talking about. Yeah, would would sit there and would just it became everyone became like a land war. Every time he would get an email, it's like he would just stay up to 4 a.m. writing reams of response. <laughs> no, and it became like some weird thread on a message board. You know, about, like, the siege of Gondor, you know, where it was, like, just back and forth. You just can't give those people attention. I told them, I'm like, dude, just F that guy. I just like, cares? thanks for listening. That's my, see, that's my response, mm-hmm. too. Got like, Rick, you're a big ass face, and I think you suck. And I just, thank you for listening, smiley emoticon. You know, people comment on my looks, I'm like, well, thank you for taking the time to find out what I look like. Appreciate it. <laughs> you see, Have a great day. That's where you just kind of just do like a, Ugh! You know, and we're not perfect. We make mistakes, but I love it when people correct us. And they're wrong. Yeah. Mm. I brought this one in. Uh, some guy said, hi, folks, the word is unkept, not unkempt, in describing the suspect's beard. <laughs> Just thought you might want to know. Feel free to contact me anytime you need a word spelled, oh, okay? Please, please tell me that he, that he gave his phone number. Uh, uh, he did. <laughs> Can I call him? No. Come on. Uh, well, we just, just, we just clipped the dictionary uh, de- definition of unkempt and said it to him. Oh, Okay, you know, I totally would. I would have called that guy right here and now. Then somebody else. Just this last week, there was a there was a player in the NFL uh, in the Super Bowl from Western Oregon College, uh-huh. Kevin Boss, uh, and our sports uh, director, Katie Brown, talked about it and made a mistake, small mistake, of saying that he played college in Salem, not in Monmouth, where Western Oregon is. Right. Got a whole email about you guys need to be accurate and tell that to Katie Hill. Her name's Katie Brown. In your face, you. <laughs> uh, we're talking to Carl Click. Mornings, five to seven. Okay, Every morning. Also at noon. I had a. Uh, I had a noon. See, I gotta make sure that I get all this things. I only get. Well, we don't know that because we're on the air. I was gonna say that's true. But we did. We did go to you live, Carl, at noontime because I couldn't make it through a couple of sentences. <laughs> you filled in for Tim whether you knew it or not. Did you really? Like, did you link us up? We huh? went to Tim for about forty. Uh, to you for about forty-five seconds today because Tim was trying to say like. You know, he was trying to do, you know, the, 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 some, some, yeah, some phrase with a lot of M's and L's. Will I get my residual check for that? Oh, definitely. CBS is nothing if not uh, if not financially generous, sir. Um, so, uh, what was I saying? I had a boss one time that heard me saying, um, and and I know now there is subsequently some some sort of discussion about whether you're supposed to say myriad or myriad of, and there's now been there's now a school of thought that says that you can go either way and whatever blah blah blah, but this is a few years ago, and I said well there are myriad reasons by blah 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 blah, and this jackass calls me on the hotline the hotline which you don't do you guys have a hotline? Uh, if so, they don't give me access. Where like the uh, you know it's like where somebody calls like if there's huge breaking like aliens have landed on city hall. Well, this, like you, and Tim knows this, you don't call the hotline unless, like, the, the transmitter has gone down, the station is on fire, the, the president has just pulled off his mask to reveal that he's a reptile. You don't call the hotline during the show because it, it shatters the little fragile state known as show mode. And so this 
almost swore it. This jackass <laughs> calls me during the show. Your boss, right? On the yeah, my boss on the hotline, and he get, reads me. You know, Rick, it's myriad of. You're supposed <laughs> to say myriad of, which I do. But the general consensus is that that is wrong. And so he's just myriad, and he just didn't know what he was talking. I think he was high, and he's it's myriad of. And so if you're gonna use, and it was another one of those. If you're gonna use the English language, use it properly. And I very rarely got into fights with this guy because it was just it was like a no-win situation. You didn't just say thanks for listening. <laughs> Actually, I'll take it under advisement. So I got off the air and I immediately went up to my office and I pulled out a reference book which I keep with me all the time and I went to the myriad and myriad of section. I photocopied it and I blew it up to like 40 point type and I faxed it to him. You know, and that was it with no note. I just, just right a, to his private fax just machine. Just a subtle hint. Yeah, just just to his private fax machine and I have to tell you that every day for like the next three days, he would call the hotline during the show with some non thing to yell at me about. And I totally, and I know it's because I just jammed it right back at him with this, this myriad thing. Oh, and I try never to do that, but God, I just had, I just had it with him that day. So I, but, for, but I've gotten a lot better since then. So I don't typically respond to hate mail that way. You know, sometimes people don't agree with our coverage, uh, you know. Is this because you're part of the liberal media? It, well, exactly. Uh, th this story was had to be on probably one of the immigration issues around the state. Uh, email says, I would just like to say to you liberal blanks. <laughs> Wait, can I guess? Uh, Does it start with an A and uh, an S? No, it starts with a C. Is somebody going to see you in Tijuana? Uh, no. <laughs> they said, uh, you managed to admit that they are, are illegally here in the first place and should get the blank out. Uh, no driver's license, or we will have another revolution. Any bets? You liberal sewage. <laughs> <laughs> sewage. Just didn't quite agree with our coverage of that story. <laughs> no, hold on a second. Then you start with a C. Did it? Uh, did it end with an S? Is it three syllables? I just drew one line through it. You can look. Hold on. I'm trying to guess though. He calls you liberal, and it starts with a C. Is it three syllables? Yes. <laughs> Listen to right oh, there. No. I think we all know. You, oh, there you we go. You hear it if you say it, liberal. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You liberal sewage. Liberal sewage. And that, by the way, I know that when he's making his ellipses, he uh, he alternates back and forth between periods and commas for some reason, hmm. and adds a lot of spaces where they don't uh, where they don't belong. Jesus. All right. Uh, also, somebody <laughs> commenting on our coverage of a memorial service said, we would appreciate it if you aired more of the bagpipes playing. <laughs> there are, there are many, more bagpipes. There are many bagpipe players and people who enjoy listening to bagpipes in the Northwest. And that's the only time you ever hear a bagpipe that's is at a... Yeah, seriously. That's like the, it's like the 68 Democratic. Delaware demands more bagpipes. <laughs> So do you get together with your news director and share these things, sit around laughing all afternoon? <laughs> uh, well, everybody can read them because they're all out, you know, everybody has access. And, it, you know, it's the first thing we do, see what people uh, emailed about and how many people think we're liberal sewage. All right, <laughs> I have a question. And, and this goes back to something that Sarah said when she was working at COIN. And this is not about you, but just about I I I TV in general. COIN is different, though, than anything else. Well, Sarah made this observation that I found, it, it was I was fascinated by this detail. She said, and again, this is for everybody at coin, at least, uh, this is just the way that it, you said at one point. You told me on the air that that they 
Because obviously in television, uh, makeup that you wear on television is a lot heavier than makeup you yeah, wear in real life. Yeah, I had my burn victim makeup. That's it. And that, that they used, that, that on coin, the makeup that everyone used was, quote, the same makeup they use on burn victims. See, but I don't know if it was everyone or if it was just me, but I met one one of the anchors that used to work there had the same, because they gave us a stylist. Uh-huh. Remember, I went there and we had to go, I went to like some fancy boutique. To and, bland you up. Exactly. So I got my hair all blanded and like all this like neutral tone, horrible makeup. And, um... Yeah, one other anchor had the same makeup as I did, and then, like, other anchors had been working there for years. I remember when every passing week it was like there would be less and less of you there. She was there. It was bad lighting. Yeah. They had, like, a little floor lamp. Bad lighting and brown hair. My personal life, my work life, like, everything in that time just sucked. Well, you know what? I have to say this, and, Carl, you know this. When you're getting up at 3.30 to go to work, There's no happiness in your life. Nothing in your day is going to go well. I mean, your day is ass, like, from jump. But you try to cover it with makeup. Yeah, well, that was my question. So my question is, do you guys use, like, a really heavy-duty... Not that you're not a good-looking man, but I'm saying, do you guys use, like, an industrial-strength makeup? And if so, what is the worst thing you could cover? I think about that sometimes. I think, like, what if someone goes out and gets into a bar fight... Big, like, slash down the side of their face. Do you have makeup that would cover that? You know, my makeup is really basic, and, and, and I think all the, the folks at uh, K2, they use fairly basic makeup. Uh, although, we're all getting ready for HDTV, which we've been told really exposes a lot of the... Uh, Any hideousness will come that. to light. And uh, supposedly now, uh, for HD makeup, is almost something you spray on. Like you have a, a real small little... Like an airbrushing, almost? E- exactly. And, and we'll all need major league lessons on that. I did, however... Um, get uh, a black eye playing in a City League basketball game years and years ago sure. when I could still uh-huh. move. Came really? to work the next morning and had something like that, and I had to walk around to all the women and borrow concealer so I could even try to come close to covering now, did it, it Now, was it covered, or could you tell? You could tell. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, one eye was closed. <laughs> kind of like I was, you know, rocking. Oh, well, that's true, because that's not just a discoloration. That's like the full-on, like the eye swelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all I, right. was, I had to, need some help. Here's, here's the kind of call you don't get. Uh, I'm looking at the screen. <laughs> Uh, some guy is on hold. Call says, neighbor just passed away. Hilarious story. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to wait on that. Maybe uh, it's from Southeast. Yeah. Maybe it's your neighborhood. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, what are the odds of Maybe that? it's the neighbors in your neighborhood that you would like to get rid of, and that's why it's so hilarious. By the way, I'd like to report that my Christmas tree is finally gone. I did, in fact, finally get rid of my, uh... You my just Christmas. left it outside. No. No, it's, uh... It's self-combusted. It's been put, it's been <laughs> put somewhere else. you put the dumpster out back? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, back from here? Yes. Well, what do they care? You threw a broken toilet in there one day. <laughs> that is Remember true. A toilet filled with what, Carl Click? Hopefully a Comet cleanser and... No. Oh, I, oh. I had to and turn green. away. I had to turn away. <laughs> I couldn't even acknowledge a contest winner. I had to go back in the building. <laughs> Human waste, Carl. All right. Uh, was... And the poor engineers had to clean everything up. Well, you know. Well, they're no longer here. <laughs> It's hard to believe that they look for employment elsewhere. I know. Look, I know you have a master's degree from MIT, but I need you to clean this feces off the parking lot. Here's your hazmat suit. <laughs> All right. Hey, who wants to do a top five? Oh, I do. Please. All right. Here's your top five. Uh, Carl, we'll have you, uh, well, Tim kind of have you give color four, commentary on this. Three, but that sounds wonderful. Two, one, fire. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. 
Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count. Don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, here with your top five is the one and only Tim Riley. And now the Rick Emerson Show spins the great wheel of time, letting it take us to where she may. And the year is 1989, October 21st to be exact. My is that. These are the top five songs and that last year's day, October 21st, 1989. With honorable mention to the new kids on the block with Cover Girl. Yeah! That was just a coincidence. I really honestly did just pick a random week and a random year. And the fact that the first song up was New Kids on the Block really is just happenstance. But I haven't heard this, this song forever. swinging. And are they coming back to sing this song now? Aren't Sarah? They um, it's, it's being speculated. I hope to God. And you know what? And even if they do, it's been rumored that they're just doing um, an international tour. They're not going to tour in the United States yet. Where is the farthest you would go to see New Kids on the Block? Vancouver. Seattle. <laughs> really? I was going to say Belmont. You wouldn't go to L.A.? Nah. Maybe if I had more money. But, but, but that sounds, <laughs> seems kind of like a throwaway trip. I suppose. Oh, did I tell you that uh, Laura and I did confirm uh, our trip to uh, Vegas? We are staying at the El Cortez. You told us that yesterday. Did I? I don't know if it was just if I if it had been confirmed at that point. A dream. Yeah, we. Boy, I heard the Monte Carlo was a hot place to stay. Wow, really? Did, did you see the uh, the anchor woman who got in trouble uh, down there? Somebody criticized her for her coverage of that fire. No. Oh, it's on YouTube. But she uh, she, she went say after something inappropriate. Uh, she went after the uh, the Peter Carlin of Las Vegas because he criticized her, and she gave her a little finger wag and put on a tr and said, "When the princess talks, you listen." <laughs> really? Somebody's yeah. going to disappear in the desert. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> Number five, the Rolling Stones and mixed emotions. Kind of what a weird year for music that the Rolling Stones and the New Kids on the Block would be back to back. God, I remember was I working? What the hell was I working at 1989? Maybe I wasn't working anywhere. I think I might have. I think I might have been at an oldie station. I was working at a comedy station. Is that the one where you had all the cassettes just stacked up? Yeah, it was horrible. Thousand Oaks, California. You know, this is that story that at the time, like, we've become sort of inured to this or a word like that because about every three years, the Rolling Stones have a huge comeback. But, I mean, Steel Wheels was really, that was only their second comeback. The first one was Tattoo You. And then they had Steel Wheels, which was the big comeback. And then it was Voodoo Lounge, and it was Bridges to Babylon, then it was whatever last year's was. But, I mean, this is the worst video ever, too. This video, if you don't remember the video for Mixed Emotions, it really does have Mick Jagger doing his, like, weird, like, his chicken thing. Yeah, totally. Sarah just did it, the chicken walk that, uh, that what's his name, Jimmy Fallon does in Almost Fame. If you think Mick Jagger is going to be out there 50 years, you are sadly, sadly <laughs> mistaken. But he's wearing, like, bright yellow sweatpants. And like a and like and like a workout leotard up top, and then he's like in, like on a hardwood floor, like Jennifer Beals. Oh, it's it's so bad. It's so bad. It's well, they all look like a bunch of decomposed corpses underneath <laughs> your porch. <laughs> it's true. In a bathtub full of feces. I yeah. mean, Keith Richards is the only one who makes it work, though. I mean, Mick Jagger. He looks like. I, 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 I mean, it's sort of like if if. Like if you put a like a Liz Taylor wig on Norman Bates's mom or something, that's like the closest I can come with a shot of Novocaine. Totally. These are the top five songs from October twenty first, nineteen eighty nine. At number four, it's Rock Set. Listen to your heart. Oh. 
That's not the. Uh, what is it? That one is that the here. same one? No, it's, I'm sorry. This no, is that's loaded the Rolling Stones. Darn it all the heck. That's a, my fault. Hold on. Do we need to hear it? Uh, no. No, Should let me just stop along? here. Hold on. Right. I can <laughs> get this loaded up. There we go. All right. Sorry, the Rolling Stones twice. This is a great song. This has that great video where they're performing in like Sweden or whatever, and like everybody in the crowd has sparklers. This is uh, whatever her name is, Marie, uh, Marie Giselle or whatever that girl's name is, her and that hair guy. This is a great song. Carl Click, Roxette, observations, thoughts? Never heard it. What? <laughs> you are lying. Oh, no. May I ask your age, Carl Click? 47. You're not 47. You're not 47. Pull out the driver's license. Really? You look good for what'd 47. You <laughs> what'd you think? Nothing I thought you were younger. No, I'm way over the hill. I would not have guessed 47. All right, so... But no matter how old I am, clueless to rock that. Well, you would have been 27, then more or less, when this came out. 27, 28? 29. 29. You would have been Sarah's age? So it's... No. Right? Is I wrong? Is my math off there? I'm 27. That was nine when this came out. I'm just saying, Roxette is a fine band. They had some great, and you know, not to mouth the tire cliche, but they are huge in the rest of the world. They, they've kind of fallen off the map here. Massive in Europe. Will I be be able to find them in the like the discount bin with the eight tracks now? Probably this. Probably. This, album. <laughs> this is. Uh, I do believe this is from the Look Sharp album. They had a couple really big singles. It's uh, you kind of forget how many songs they had. The Look. They had Dress for Success. Listen, uh, listen to her heart. It must have been love from the Pretty Woman soundtrack. Uh, it must have been love is a great song. It must have been love is sort of a thinly veiled rewrite of this, but it's a great song. Fading like a flower. Uh, every time oh, you leave, yeah. fading like a flower is a great song. It's a beautiful song. I'll fight the man who says otherwise. Uh, and then they had Joyride. That was their last big single. That's like eight solid top ten singles from these guys. And she was hot as ball. Still is. Kind of has that sexy gap between her teeth thing going on. And number three, Tears for Fears, Sowing the Seeds of Love. Boy, I'll take songs that make me want to jab out my ears for a thousand. <laughs> Jesus, I hate this song. That's a pretty bad song. It's a terrible song. I, still love me I don't remember this song at all. You don't know this song, really? No, and I'm around Carl Quick's age. No, you'll recognize it at the You're course. that old? You're that ancient? This really does, um, this does surprise me that Tim doesn't know this. I thought I you were a Tears for Fears fan. I like a couple of their songs, but I don't remember this. Carl, if I managed to pick a year about which you know nothing in terms of popular music, I feel bad. I was sort of aiming for something that we yeah, could all comment yeah, on. Here. You, you pretty much nailed it. I recognize this riff. I recognize this part, too. Yeah. It's an awful song with a bad claymation video. No. This is October of 1989? Yes. Oh, I, I, I was, I was totally out of it. You know, here's the thing about Serious for Fears. I just remember watching MTV a lot around this time, waiting for something cool to come on. And, of course, at that age, cool was, you know, in a very narrow Beavis and Butthead kind of way. And just having to wait through all this hippie claptrap, you know, like waiting for something good to come on. You know, I don't remember this. This is one of those years that I was driving between two jobs all the time. It was never home long enough to watch anything. Yeah. And you would have, this MTV would have been the place for this. Actually, I, my daughter was born about a month before that. I was on paternity leave and I was sleeping and changing diapers all the time. That's why. Poor Never Carl. listening to her. I didn't know you had children. He has two children. You look so young. They're teenagers. They're in college. <laughs> All right, these are the That's top Once again, five. I need my residual to pay. <laughs> we'll get right on it. You know why I don't remember this? This is one of those years 
that I was driving between two jobs all the time and was never home long enough to watch anything. Yeah. And he would have, this MTV would have been the place for this. Actually, I, my daughter was born about a month before that. I was on paternity leave and I was sleeping and changing diapers all the time. That's why. Poor Never Carl. listening to radio. I didn't know you had children. He has two children. You look so young. They're teenagers. They're in college. <laughs> All right, these are the yes, top five. Once again, five. I need my residual. <laughs> we'll get right on it. These are the top five songs of October 21st, 1989. Number two, uh, The Cure with Love Song. Come on. Yes. I like The Cure. This is a great song. This is a great song, too. Great video, too, for as cheaply as it must have been made. It's just Robert Smith sitting in a cave, like looking at stalactites or something and crying or whatever. <laughs> you know, as he always does. Just sitting there just weeping. Here in KCMD Portland. All right, not to be, not to be horrid, Sarah, but we were talking earlier about a potential top five for you to do. We were, Sarah and I were talking earlier in the show. I think it was actually during a break, because we were playing that sexual healing song by Marvin Gaye that Tim was doing his talk up to, the Quiet Storm talk up, and I was noting that sexual healing is like the worst song that's ever been recorded. And I floated the idea to Sarah that I said you ought to put together the top five songs that would make you leave a guy's house or apartment like right now, like if he put them on. I think that's a genius idea. Like, Can I do that instead of Madonna? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like top five songs that if you're at a guy's house, a guy in whom you might be interested, and he puts on Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye, you just say like, no, like I am, I'm leaving. On the other end of the spectrum, I'm just saying for me, and my, when it was when I was in high school, this was the uh, this was the big mood setting album in high school. Like if, uh, you know, it's time with that special lady, you put on Disintegration by The Cure. Which I really... Disintegration's one of my cleaning albums. Oh, man. So like if you're, like you're going to be working yeah, on the house? Like, if I'm like cleaning my entire... I'll just start from the beginning in that huge... The, oh, I love listening this is, to that album. It's, this is one of the best albums ever made. Okay, the age thing again. The uh, the album oh, you're talking... The mood, the mood setting album in my I time? I have to stop the music for this. What was the mood setting album for you, Carl Click? Best of Bread. Oh, oh, it was a baby, I'm a want you. Wow. Uh, baby, I'm a want you, Sarah. Oh, Make you. Hold on. That's bad. Hold Rick, on. you have I have baby, I'm a want you no. right here. <laughs> hold on. Wait, hold on. Let's see. Not part of the top five from October 1989. I, I do believe it's actually in a folder called Bad Music. <laughs> Oh, let me let me double check. If I don't have it, we'll move on. But I'm I'm pretty sure that I actually have a folder simply entitled Bad Music. Let's see here. Bread, bread. Oh, here we go. Right, right there in the right there in the C drive right, under Bad Music. Right there at number one. Let me just. Uh... They in the set in the mood now. You wouldn't walk out of the apartment now, would you, Sarah? This isn't one of those songs. So let's, Sarah, so you're at the guy's house. No, this isn't that bad of a song. Here's Brad. I haven't been burned out. Your entire audience is now just slipped away. <laughs> because here's the thing. When this music comes on, it can mean one of only two things. You're about to have sex with Brick Tamblin, or... Scotty J is about to come out of the bedroom wearing only a kimono. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Why, hello. I'm Scotty J. And I'd like to have intercourse with you. <laughs> okay, we've punished your audience enough. Back wow. To the top five. No way to stop the aural bleeding there. All right, hold on, let me get one, number one. Okay, these are the top five songs uh, from uh, October 21st, 1989. At long last, at number one, it's Janet Jackson, Miss You Much. So great. Such a great song. It's funny. Um, wow, this is this old, huh? Almost 20 years old. Do you believe oh that? My God. Chris Paddock from KUFO, Sarah Wagner, and myself were all talking about the Rhythm Nation album yesterday and how 
I think irrespective of anybody's age, I think a lot of people, there is an assessment that Rhythm Nation is like her peak. That's the problem with Janet Jackson. This song isn't as good as Rush Rush, though. You're thinking of Paula Abdul, though. Damn it. You're thinking, what am I thinking of, of um, You're thinking of Come you know Back to Me? I did not listen to Janet Jackson. You're totally right. I listened to all Paula Abdul. And I listened to Cold Hearted Snake. And... Yeah. That's a terrible song. I mean, it's great, but it's awful. Genius. That whole Forever Your Girl album is actually really great and terrible. You know, we always, Tim talks about Cindy Lauper being a poor man's Madonna. I only said that once. I'm just saying I know you believe it to be true. Mm-hmm. Paula Abdul, totally a poor man's Janet Jackson. We all know that's true. Well, she wears that Janet Jackson duck mask. <laughs> they both look the same with their with that mask that they put on. Boy, Janet Jackson looks bad. Chris Paddock saw her at the Grammys, said she just looked terrible. Yeah, she should. She's such a great album. But Janet Jackson has that problem, uh, like her brother, of putting out that one landmark album that can then never be topped. Now, what a great song this is. Yes. I really could listen to Rhythm Nation all day while wearing a kimono. <laughs> and we're done. Uh, that was that was, that was that was exciting. Nice to bring back those memories for me. <laughs> Did you see? By the hey, way, I'm sorry. Just a little behind the curtain. Um, yes. Steve Castamon's not available. Do we want to talk to anybody else? Anybody about it, or should we just move forward? About what? About the dog show? I think the dog show. I, think he was, I don't really care about the dog show. That you don't much. care about that. Beagle? Okay, never mind. He just yeah. sent it to me right now. Disregard previous email. Steve is good for Oh, content. well, okay. I mean, you know, it's not like I don't care. I mean, it really is to talk to I mean, Steve can make things like that interesting. I think if they were going to offer me, like, Bob Nitwit from down the hall, you know, here's Jerry Intern to talk about the whatever. Like, I, you know, no. But uh, if it's one of the guys, you know, one of our regulars, that's fine. Um, no, did you see, speaking of this, and we have to take a break here in a second. Jesus, is it 206? It is. And my number can't finally wait off. <laughs> Not quite. It's, it's weighed <laughs> off. <laughs> kind of weighed off. <laughs> you do still have the the cringe of the face thing going on, though. Uh-oh. Mm. You, your face just looks a little slanty. That's all I'm saying. Maybe one of my contacts will be behind my eye again. I don't know. <laughs> Let me ask you I wouldn't this. rob a bank today because they could probably nail you pretty good with the description. About oh, your... face. <laughs> <laughs> one, he sounded kind of like Droopy Dog and one half of his face was immobile. As long as it's not a bank in my neighborhood. Um, let me ask you this. With the Novocaine, were you not able to feel pain? Was oh, it was it totally was a total numbness? Oh, yeah. Are I you able to make drilling and drill out half your mouth? <laughs> Hmm. How about emotional pain? Did it help with that? <laughs> I have no emotions left. <laughs> Om. Uh, so it, now, now I asked you this, and I didn't really understand the answer. Um, well, what part of it don't you understand? Okay, now, they gave you many, many shots. Three. Uh, okay, so why, though, why couldn't they give you the gas? Well, they could give you the gas, but you will still feel pain with the gas. I thought the whole point of the gas was that you didn't feel pain. Just no, it relaxes you. You, you will Just laugh through the pain. <laughs> you will laugh through the pain. As we do every pain. day, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea is not to feel pain. So... So let me understand. So with the gas, you will have pain. You just uh, you won't Laugh. care about it. Correct. That's that's the thing with. Um, but I'm somebody who really really cares a lot <laughs> about pain. <laughs> I'm much more cooperative if I'm uh, if I get plenty of those needles. <laughs> if if I get three needles. Okay. They know. They count them, and I do too. Are you ever? Do you ever live in fear that uh, you are the one mistake they're going to make that day where they don't give you enough uh, painkiller? No, my death is, is is really good. He knows. No, it's a shirt. It's a sheet. Does this hurt? Yeah. No, she knows it's going to hurt. 
And that's, they, put, they put CNN on the TV and put me down some just staring at CNN while they do this. Totally. And, and that deal? hurts, too. Yeah, that hurts, too. Do they now, so they, is it, do they just give you the pain relief and the needles, or do they also give you something to uh, relax you beforehand? I, oh, no, I'm not relaxed at all. Really? <laughs> I have a, Even with the, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like holding on like I'm riding a, a ride at Magic Mountain, <laughs> like I'm on the Batman ride. I mean, with his hands up in the air. Yeah. I, have a, I have a friend of mine who um, every time she goes, and I don't think you're supposed to do this because I think it, you're not supposed to mix meds and whatnot, mm-hmm. but every time she goes to the dentist, um, she will secretly take a bunch of Valium before she goes. Well, my, another dentist, she's, I, that is something else you can do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Valium is cheap. It's only like 99 cents a pop. Oh, no, and the thing is, you take Valium, you don't care about it. Valium is, uh, and Richie, yes. If, uh, when are you, how long do you have to take off? Are you staying? Uh, yeah, I, I do need to roll. It is okay. nap time. So let me, let me make this observation of Valium. Uh, yeah, Richie, if you want to wrangle Peter Carlin, and we'll get Peter Carlin here, and then we'll just kind of roll on through. Um, and Steve, uh, uh, I just don't know how we're going to do that, because I thought we were going to... It's easy. Do it, Peter. Mind to it. Thanks, Tim. We do Peter usually at 2.30, so I mean, if you could do that... Okay, so Richie, great. can you Richie, can you tell Peter that we will call him as soon as our CNN guest is done? That would be great, if you can tell him that. So, we'll, we'll let you get out of here in a second, but I, but I want to, this observation, though. Yeah. The thing about the volume... Valium is the something is wrong with you, you just don't care drug. And I know that that seems like a weird but concept. But I have to care because it. I write on the max. <laughs> you have to have your senses. Right. I, I do have to care about something. You have to have your wits Including my own safety. I remember when I did the, um, when I did the, you know, the, the medical hair restoration thing. And the, the, you know, the first thing they do is they like shave your head because it's like easier to, to work on the whatever. And, of course, that's a thing that if they asked you that stone cold, like, do you mind if we shave your head? You'd be like, well, no, F no. No, I... Not shaving my head, but but they do this little clever thing of like you sign all the release forms and like one of them is like can we dope you up? And the next thing is like take all the pills in this cup. You're like what are they? Just take it. Okay, take it. And then about ten minutes later they say, so we're gonna have to shave your head. Fine. Don't no. no. Is that all you want to shave? So- Dead stop. Thank you very much. I don't even have my cricket sound handy. Oh, no. I always have the crickets ready. I always did, but I took the crickets out to play Janet Jackson. I thought they were drugs that didn't make you care, yeah, that would have been funny. So that was the kind of jokes you hear on the uh, the, the news <laughs> every morning, five morning, seven, <laughs> and at noon. Carl Clint. and that's a wrap. Oh, excellent! Thank, Thank you, Carl. sir. All right, you, you are you are welcome anytime. The door is always open. And Carl say Clint. hi to Peter Carlin for me. Absolutely, okay? will do. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, click. They're on your side. Carl, you know, we're just, he looks so uncomfortable. We're messing with you. Carl. I'm fine. I'm cool with it. <laughs> Anywho, it's 503-733-2970. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. Hey. Did, did Carl already leave? Carl, did you Not already leave? No, this, no. Did you want to ask him something before he goes? Well, yeah, I was just wondering if his mom was still with us. She was uh, one of my elementary school teachers. And she was one of the coolest teachers I ever had. Yeah, that's cool to know. At King Elementary in Vancouver, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. She's doing great. She's living in Central Oregon. Oh, excellent. Well, wish her well next so time you talk to her. Your, your stalking can continue unabated, sir. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. All right. Thank you, Carl Click. Excellent. All right. Carl Click, ladies and gentlemen, it's 503-733-2970-503. Well, is Steve Kastenbaum calling us here? Oh, Chris just wrote me and said that he was going to call. All right. Here, scratch that. And this was five minutes ago. Wait, so he wrote, scratch that, and then he scratched. Uh, I'm so confused. Steve is good for 510, right. but it's past that now. Well, let's stare at the phone for a second. 
Today's show kind of zipped right by. I mean, I know, you know it's it only really 2.15. Sometimes you say that it, goes, it went fast. I'm like, oh, it's taking forever, and then vice versa. It seems like we've done a lot today. I don't know if it's been good. Are you really glad that Tim's face is going back to normal? Yes. Were you was, kind of worried about it? I was kind of freaking out. I freaked when I saw him this morning. I'm trying to protect. See, I don't think he was aware of how freaky he looked. No, he looked uh, bad. He he looked he looked bad this morning. Because initially I didn't. There aren't any words. Like it was bad, bad, bad. It was like the left half of his face or whatever was it was. Not it was moving. Totally immobile. And the other side of his face, you know, because he's a, he's a happy, smiley guy. Usually, and he had, like, this full smile on one side of his face, and the other side just wasn't moving. And here's the thing is it really did look just like every stroke victim I've ever talked to. I mean, really, no exaggeration. It really did look just like that. And even though he said, no, it's because I, I was at the dentist. Um, even though he said that, I, I did have in my head the thought of, I wonder if something else has gone wrong and he's not telling me or he's unaware of it, perhaps. Well, I started getting scared when I saw him at 10 a.m. And he's like, it's going to be an hour. Still continuing. And I see him at 11 he looks exactly the same. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I know, and you you totally nailed it. When he's like, it'll be better in an hour. And you're like, you said that an hour ago. You totally, you really did kind of sound like the, um, I don't know, a thing. Anyway, no, I, no I'm no, i with you on that. He uh, it was an odd couple of hours there. We didn't didn't seem like any change was happening. I always feel so bad for Carl Click when he comes in and he's just like in this zoo of a of a show we do. Jesus. Oh, I think Carl Click loves it. I think so. Uh, speaking of zoos, let's. Uh, it seems like that should be zoos, lovable animals, dogs. Well, whatever. Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Hello, sir. How's it going? How's life? Are you at the uh, Are you at the dog thing right now? I'm, I'm actually going to head out the door and, and go over there uh, right after I'm done with you guys. So this is it, it, here's the thing. I'll be upfront with you. I typically don't care about stuff like this. It's not that I'm anti-dog. We're all dog owners here. It's just dog shows are not really a thing I get into. But but I figure if anybody can sort of make it interesting, you can. You already did have this insanity the other day of the dogs like staying across the street at the hotel or something. Um, so here's a dumb question. What, like, what do you win if your dog is best in show? Like, is it basically just bragging rights, or do you, is it like serious prizes at stake? There, there's prizes uh, from the sponsors. Uh, you know, pedi- Pedigree Dog Food apparently is a, is a big sponsor of this show. So there's all sorts of prizes associated with it. But these guys, I mean, these dog owners, they, they put out thousands, uh, if not tens of thousands of dollars all year long entering their dogs in, into competitions and showing them around the country. And so this, I mean, are these the same, is it like the usual suspects where it's like you see, like a Scrabble tournament where you see kind of the same folks every year and they all kind of know each other? Like it's got to be its own community. Oh, oh yeah. If you've ever seen the movie Best in Show, uh, there's no exaggeration in that movie. I mean, in fact, uh, I think somebody should should really do a news story uh, on the fashion choices of the dog owners, actually, and their hairdos. Because there's just something something amiss. And 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 it and it really runs through all of the dog owners here. I'm not sure why. Now is there? Tim said something earlier. Tim Riley said something about how this is. There's never before been a beagle who has won the kennel club dog show. But that it, it, it might this might be the first year that whatever. I mean, I'm not. And I'm really not trying to like diminish the importance of this. It's just one of those things that it is. Like oh, a it's whole, not important. It's not important. I'm just saying it's a whole it's a whole culture that sort of exists under your nose that you don't really think about. But I guess like in the world of this, like that's a big deal. Oh yeah, I'm sure these people like when they go home to their their towns and their neighborhoods that you know they're pretty famous. You know, especially if your dog wins like best in breed or best in class, that's that's a huge deal because in order to get to to the Westminster Kennel Club, 
uh, dog show. Your dog has to have won at least five other AKC-recognized competitions during the year. So all these dogs have, like, won numerous competitions before they've even gotten here. And then, and then if, you know, so to win best in breed, uh, it means that you are the shining example uh, of your dog's breed. All very strange. It's just it one is, of those. It is, it's very strange. Are you tempted to carry like a pocket full of sausages in there just to cause a little chaos? Like just toss one out when nobody's looking? Uh, I was trying to think what else I could do. Like maybe I could let a cat loose. Or it, just, it, how great would that be? Or just like one of those weird dog whistles that nobody can hear? <laughs> I mean, seriously, nobody's looking. You know, and suddenly just pandemonium. Yeah, yeah, something like that. That would actually be pretty cool. <laughs> I'm trying right. to think what else What else drives dogs nuts. I'm just saying, just, I like things that cause a little bit of chaos and entropy. So, you know, I'm just, if you get the chance, you might, might do that for us, sir. There really is something weird, though, about all of these people who are involved in this world. I mean, they're, 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 their fashion choices are just very odd. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, look, there. as somebody said the other day, I was reading a piece that a friend of mine wrote, and he noted that there are geeks of every single variety. People think that geek just means like Star Trek and, you know, and Battlestar Galactica and comic books or something. It really, there are geeks of every single type and stripe, uh, and there are uh, there are dog geeks just like there's that geeks for anything else. So I guess that's what this. Uh, so you're seeing on display here, my friend. Oh, yeah. And uh, you've, got, you've got that Midwest mall hairdo that, uh, that everybody seems to have. <laughs> the, the, uh, the Jersey, uh, what do they call it? The Jersey? Bridge and Tunnel Hair. Yes, yes. All right, I will let you uh, get out there and enjoy the dog, dog show. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you very soon, my friend. Okay, uh, see you. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right, wonderful. All right, we should probably break here. Yeah. Let's take... I have a special song for you, Rick. Really? Excellent. I do love Roxette. I really do. Oh, I see why you like her. She was cute. She was really cute. And kind of an Annie Lennox thing going on. Totally. Very, yes, very much so. That spiky blonde hair and the uh, whatever. I mean, it is kind of this weird pop with like a, just the slightest bit of a rock tinge to it. That fading like a flower song is really good. And we're going to come back with that. I'm going to find that during the break. Back after this is the Rick Emerson Show. Peter Carlin on the way. Uh, more from Tim Riley. And if we get uh, time, it's the worst song you've ever heard. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. In a wonderful balloon She's the heart of the sunset She got the whistle in a bright wet tune Now that we have Jay-Z playing. Hold on, Sarah. Can you throw it to me over here? Let me just do. Oh, so good. Great song. June 1991, I think. Right here on the Rick Emerson Show on AM 970. Yeah. Such a great song. It's about love. <laughs> You're back. You're back, baby. This is such a beautiful song. She has a great voice. I mean, she's not just eye candy. She has a great voice. This song still sounds good. It doesn't sound that dated even. This kind of sounds like a more rock and Wilson Phillips song. I can. Yes. 
big hook coming up here. This sounds like ABBA. Totally. Well, they're Swedish. Who can dislike this? Oh, my God. I own the Roxette Greatest Hits Dude. compilation, the double disc version. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit that. I don't think I heard this since it was a hit on the radio. It's a wall of sound. Yeah, we're going to take it one more time through the chorus, then some news, then Peter Carlin joins us. Yeah, we'll, let, we'll have that hook play one more time. It's a, it's a great song. It really is. Yeah, they still record. They still tour. Here we go. <laughs> All right, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, just a moment, Peter Carla will join us. This at the Ministry of Truth, now back and at 100%, I think, is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Imagine buying a lottery ticket to Vancouver 7-Eleven and winning the lucky jackpot. A giddy Milwaukee couple decided to take a nice day trip and go to Vancouver. So they decided to make it extra special and stopped at the Vancouver 7-Eleven and it changed their lives. They bought a lottery ticket and won $175,000. They're excited. It's an absolutely life-changing event. Perhaps they'll journey to the coop more often now that they I, won the big prize. I was going to say, I thought the, a ticket would just be, uh, the prize would just be a ticket to somewhere else. Uh, the president today condemned the noose displays, calling them a shameful reminder of the bygone era of lynching. Displaying one is not a harmless prank. Lynching is not a word to be mentioned in jest. As Thanks for clearing society, that up. We must understand that noose displays and lynching jokes are deeply offensive. They are wrong, and they have no place in America today. Who can disagree, really? Is I he, love how he says the things that you can't ever really put into words. Uh, is he... Re- is he really taking time out of his schedule solving, you know, like other issues? Where has he been? Have you noticed? I don't not to make know. lynching jokes. Where is he? I don't know. Where was that, Tim? Uh, he's uh, celebrating African American History Month, and he expressed optimism for a day when freedom rings from every mountainside. What does uh, that mean? I don't. Is know. there a bell on every mountainside to ring, <laughs> or is it a doorbell? Is that the same mountainside that Maria from the Sound of Music is climbing? He says a commitment to securing liberty and justice for all every American. It never completes a sentence. <laughs> he should be uh, hes just securing more ellipses for all of us. Uh, we need to uh, rededicate America to the ideas of its founding. Okay. So stop it and ring doorbells on mountainsides. <laughs> was that you hitting your head on that the microphone? That was my hand. Jesus. What a day we're all having. What a day. What a day it is. <laughs> well, that's enough out of me. <laughs> because I've just worked too hard. <laughs> I was going to say, you've done 300% more effort than normal, Tim, which there really is There is a new duckbill dinosaur found in Mexico. We'll say that for tomorrow. Uh, it's very exciting. All right. And tomorrow we'll... Uh, I haven't even gotten to this... Uh, this and a Utah so- woman is named America's best bagger. Bagger? <laughs> All right. I haven't even gotten Oh, this- good. Your face is getting better. And I have this great Frank Sinatra thing. It's but we'll the day I learned tomorrow. to smile again. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Tooth. <laughs> uh, no. Sam. All right, uh, back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through. Like us. Did you record? I mean, they're all live, so never mind. I won't ask that. <laughs> Let's now welcome from the or-
Oregonian. <clears throat> the one and only Peter Carlin. Hello, sir. Hey, man. Were you just clear? Hey, man. Were you just clearing your throat in preparation of coming on the air and being brilliant? Uh, yeah, but apparently like about half a second too late. I'm sorry. How are, how are you, uh, my brother? How are things? Now that my throat's clear, I'm great. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So uh, first things first is a quick wrap-up on something that everybody, well, that almost no one cared about the first time and that fewer people even you know care about even now. Um, it, it, Grammys, did you watch? Oh, like a few seconds here and there. Did you watch? The only really great moment of the Grammys, well, A, was beholding the waxy, immobile form of Tina Turner. Um, <laughs> Think she's had a little work done? Jesus. I said that I never get tired of using this analogy because it's totally true. She's like a Terry Gilliam animation or like one of those Nutcracker dolls where only the lower lip works. <laughs> Everything else, and you know it's true, and I keep saying that because it's the best analogy I can come up with, and it's perfect, where just... Her whole face immobile, but just the lower jaw hinges up and down. But I thought she retired. I thought that was the well, whole she deal. She retired. Like no one really retires at this point. You know that. You know that's true. I mean, it's just it's just known, right? It's just understood that no one retires. I mean, that's I thought a... she was like for real retiring. But... Well, you know, I think maybe she was just hiding out from Ike for the last few years. But now that that's yeah, you know gone. that's she been can... taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> now that he's being prodded by Satan somewhere, she's able to come back out. And she was. I forget if Cher introduced her, but boy, Cher herself looked pretty bad. Um, and so you were saying she looked bad, but I saw a recap of her last night. She didn't look that bad to me. Maybe it's the fact that they were. Maybe they had a paradoxical effect then, because what they when I saw her, they were having her really dimly lit, and it seemed like they were shooting her from about 45 feet away. Mm, and yeah. I, and maybe that maybe I then that made her look worse than she really does, because she looked at once. Skinny but bloated, like the way that people. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, when you, like you get a lot of work done, especially in your face, and it seems like you're skinny, yet you've got huge cheekbones and lips, and it just, it, it, it like your face is rounded in all the wrong ways somehow. Mm. Yeah, she's. It's it's yeah. a slippery. It's a really slippery slope, and I don't think anybody wins at the end of that process. Well, let's talk about the opposite end of the spectrum, which was Aretha Franklin. Um, who, I mean, as my wife said, you got to give it up to her for just saying, like, you know, I am 65 years old and huge. And, <laughs> and you, you just sort of, and, you know, Rita Franklin, or Sister Ree, as they call her, she can just sort of get away with that. I mean, you know, because she's Aretha Franklin. Uh, she can just kind of be like, here I am. And uh, so that was pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. What else was good? Uh, Kanye West getting the music playing guys to shut up. That was wonderful. That was interesting. It was and deeply you know, satisfying. Isn't it ridiculous? And I was sitting there thinking, first of all, that he seemed a, just a, a little obnoxious. But but on the other hand, I thought, you know, he's like a, a really big star. It's interesting to see him. And he's got this backstory and the whole bit. Sure. And it's like they do it all, on all those award shows where um, – the, like even when like the really super huge important stars win something and come up in a blaze of glory and they're there and they're actually saying something interesting, they still get the same like six seconds that like this you know the the the, the animation guy the gaffer gets, yeah the gaffer yeah. the best gaffer of the year gets you know and everybody cares what they who they thank and what it means and all this it just seems like there ought to be a sliding scale for um, the significance of of the uh, uh, you know of the winner and and uh, I guess I mean their Q factor. Yeah, because the only other person I've ever seen shut up the sound guy and we were talking about this yesterday. And I noted that it's it's a weird mix of emotions though, because on the one hand you know you hate speeches that just go on and on forever. Right. But on the other hand, even when it's a speech you don't really care about, like even when you're actively wishing the guy would shut up, like somebody's <laughs> up there and you're going, and I'd like to thank uh, Jesus, and you're just and you're sitting there going, God, just get off the stage. 
it's still like when they start to play the music to get him off the stage, you hate that guy a little bit. You're like, oh, screw that guy playing the music. Like it just seems like such a dick move. And, yeah, especially when it's like the really big awards. It's like when you're winning like best actor. Well, Julia Roberts is the only other person I've ever seen thwart that because I think when she won for Aaron Brockovich, I think yeah. Julia Roberts actually she preemptively said before it even started, she said, "I'm going to be up here for a while, so keep your finger off the music button." Yeah, and that was kind of great. Uh, but Kanye, he, but you know, he is such a such an a hole, but he's just so great in so many ways. <laughs> you know, because he has, you know, he has just so much of that uh, braggadocio going on. Where he's just such, you know, these the sort of, you know, the larger than life persona and ego is so much a part of his public image and his and a part of his character that only he could really have gotten away with that. And and the fact that he was intentionally or not tied it into his, like his mom being dead. Yeah. It was great. It was like the ultimate boot right into whoever it is that normally plays that music. It was pretty wonderful. Yeah, seriously. You you're going to you're going to drown him out when he's talking about his dead mom. Totally. I mean, it was like the <laughs> best move ever. Um the uh, the other um the other terrible moment that, that that we fixated on was when George Lopez, who is singularly unfunny. Oh, he's horrible. He's awful. I've he, never seen him say or do anything that was even remotely funny. No, he's not. Uh, but I do have this great moment, and as my wife pointed out, she's the one who called. She was acting as sort of the separator. Uh, I was doing some work in my home office, and she, she would sort of separate the wheat from the chaff. And she would call me and be like, hey, come look at this horrible thing George Lopez is doing. So I came out, and he, as she noted, he is not probably trying to be meta with this joke. It's not a self-aware kind of humor. He's he, he's just not that bright. And here's here's the thing. You probably saw him say this, but I'll I'll play the first part of this sound clip again. Orale! Orale, America! How great a country is this? The only place where a white woman and a black man can run for the president of the United States. Now, as my wife noted. Of course, this is the only country where anybody can run for president of the United States. Yeah, I noticed that. Too. I think that's just stupidity, is what that is. So, well, yeah, there's that. And then, but then he moves very quickly and pivots very quickly into the the meat of the joke, which has to do with the potential assassination of yes. of one of them. That's always funny. Yeah, isn't it hilarious? Yeah. And then he did make he made a pithy observation about the differences between white people and Latino people too, which I found very edgy and insightful. Yeah, it's great. Echoing the best work of Lenny Bruce and Richard Pryor. You know, in L.A. they're so laid back. It's not like New York. <laughs> you know how? What is that? Jesus in, in the Nutty Professor, the remake of the Nutty Professor. There was. There was that great. You know, the, the Nutty Professor remake with Eddie Murphy was actually really great, and there was that one moment. Where he goes to, as Buddy Love, he goes to the comedy club. Uh -huh. And you can tell it's very much uh, Eddie Murphy's comment on the younger crop of comedians. And there's the guy up there doing the really stereotypical bad comedy routine. And I think the only line that the comedy, that the comedian says, he, the comedian just keeps saying over and over again, you know, women be shopping. And like the, <laughs> like over and over, and the audience keep bust, keeps busting up. And there is so much, I mean, you would think we would have moved beyond. 
like, did you ever notice that white people walk this way? I mean, you know, in 2008, but what do I know? So. Well, you know, Eddie Murphy actually had a moment there in the mid-90s, I think it was, like, all, or maybe it was like about 10 years ago, between, it was like a one-two thing with Bowfinger yeah. and uh, and that Manetti Professor thing, and suddenly it was all like, oh, he's great, isn't he's, he? he? That's right, he was a genius at one point. Yeah, he was, but then what happened was he got capsized by his ginormous ego, uh-huh. and you saw him, it was like, suddenly he began turning up in those movies, and he looked... They had obviously invested so much time and effort into making him up to look perfect. Yeah. Like his skin had this kind of looks like he it looked like he was made out of feldsbar, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 it's like <laughs> it was like excellent. He was constructed from some sort of <laughs> substance that had no that was just sort of velvety smooth and yet never shiny, you know. It's like what is he? <laughs> like he was made out of. Made out of some cocoa-hued flubber. Yeah, well, you know, exactly. <laughs> and then there were those anecdotes that came out where it was like, you know, he would have his gang of sycophants around him, and it was one of these things where between takes, they would race around the set on, on these golf carts, and somehow Eddie would always win. Yeah. Like, it was illegal to, to ever beat him I, I mean, Well, clearly he just reached a point where there was no one around him who would tell him no. Well, yeah. You know, and I mean, which happens to everybody, I think, to some degree, but him, you're right, I mean, it, it is such, when you think about how young he was, when he was doing all of that classic stand-up, and, uh, you know, and, and a lot of which is really uncomfortable to listen to now because it's just so unbelievably offensive in terms of, of like, <laughs> gay jokes and racial jokes and whatever, but I mean, he was, he was still very funny, and, uh, and you know, his SNL stuff, and I mean, I remember, God, when that Nutty Professor comeback happened, wasn't he still only, like, 33? Mm, I mean, he was, like, probably. in his... No, you know what? I bet he was, like, 35 or so. Yeah, he was, like, in his mid-30s when He's he was like... already having a comeback. Well, you know, you know what I mean, happens when you make it when you're 19. Yeah. But that Nutty Professor movie, I remember going to see that on some friends' recommendations and, like, expecting almost nothing. Yeah. And uh, and it was so good. And you're right, and Bowfinger came out around that time. And, God, what a great movie that was. Mm-hmm. And just And you kind of felt for a moment, like, this is it. Like, all right. And then suddenly... You know, the, then he just began churning out the, no, 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 in this one I'm going to wear a wacky fat suit, but I'll talk like this. Yeah. And every, every movie became that. And then I, somebody, uh, a listener pointed something out that I had noticed but hadn't, I, I just didn't think to mention it, but a listener pointed it out to me that, and I'm, maybe this was just an unfortunate sort of, you know, um, juxtaposition, but I did notice that on MLK Day, one of the HBO channels was, I swear to you, was running Norbit like seven times in a row. I don't know why. Seriously, I don't know. I don't the know. Viewers have been bad. I, I don't know who, if that was some someone's last day at work, and they said, before I go, Norbit all day. And I, I'm almost tempted to see that movie because it received like a seven percent or something on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, did it? Man. Like it's yeah, like and it's been called, you know, like somebody, as though they deliberately constructed the worst, foulest, most off-putting movie ever made. And like that almost makes me want to watch it. So it's interesting that Charlie Murphy. He turns out to be like way funnier and way cooler. How weird he was on uh, on um, on um, on, uh, on the Dave Chappelle show. Yeah, the well, Chappelle it's like show. how I was watching Singles, the Cameron Crowe film Singles, the other day, and I I recognize that t- lately Matt Dillon is just a Johnny Drama's brother. Really, <laughs> that's just kind of um, what else? Uh, well, I guess I am legally required to ask you this. Hey, how about that writer's strike? What 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 is there a strike? I mean, it's going to be what is it? I read something today that. 
Uh, they were given the approximate timeline at which shows will get back on the air. Yeah, yeah six saying, weeks, eight weeks. Yeah, like April, Depending May, on so. what they are and all that stuff. Well, I think the sitcoms come back a lot quicker because it's easier uh, to make them and stuff. And so we are now at, what, four episodes left of The Wire? Um, um, the, um, something like that. Let me ask you this. Have you have you seen ahead? Mm, well, I saw through the seventh episode, but, okay. and there's ten episodes. So you have not seen the final three? Nope. They are not. They do not exist on screeners or anything like that. I keep expecting to find them, but they haven't sent them to me yet. All right. See, well, you, I'm just saying. Not that I'm telling you to let you know to hook a brother up. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> just I'm. Saying. I made an observation, and then I know Sarah's bursting at the seams to ask you about Lost. Um, I made an observation early on. A guy called apropos of nothing to rave about the wire, and I was of course happy to to, to engage in that. And I said that. Unlike a lot of, like, The West Wing comes to mind, and I was a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and The X-Files, and those shows are always, they're really strong, and, like, in the last three seasons, it just, seasons, it just comes, the thread, they lose the thread, and it all just falls apart. Mm. Um, but if, if David Simon and those guys have managed, and I suspect they have, in fact, I'd bet my bottom dollar on it, if they have managed to keep it all the way to the end, if they can end the wire, if they can not F it up in these last four weeks, I think front to back five seasons that'll go down as one of the strongest TV series ever. I mean, hands there's down. There's been a little revisionism in this season. There's been a lot of complaining about uh, the plots going out of control. A lot of your media types don't like the newsroom sequences. Oh, please. And uh, and then there's that sort of the thing with um, Omar, you know, leaping out of the window and only kind of breaking his leg or whatever. I can almost accept. I can almost accept that. Like, especially because they have Marlo doing that, you know, Marlo does that thing about, don't seem possible, that's some Spider-Man S. Um, the, I can almost accept that. It, what what weirds me out, what I can never figure out about, the, about the, the, the Omar thing is, okay, so he leaps out of the building, okay, and then he doesn't die or he breaks a leg. Okay, I, I, can, I can accept that. But you have Chris and... Um, uh, um, Monk and those guys saying, like, well, look, we, we, you know, we hit every hospital, we checked all the vacants up and down the block... But then, like, but then Omar was apparently in that same building the whole time, like in a janitor's closet. Yeah. And that's the thing that I was having a little bit of trouble with, that they didn't well, there was check also, that building. To me, the, the even bigger uh, problem with um, um, logic this season was when Jimmy, uh, when McNulty took that homeless guy off the street right. and dropped him off at a shelter, like, not you know, not so far away, so that then he could simulate that guy's sure. being kidnapped. Right. And, um... And then the question becomes, well, wait a minute, you know, he's having this long, detailed conversation with the woman who runs the shelter. This is a, and this is theoretically going to be part of a big national, you know, a story that's already become a big national covered by all the cable news story, you know, thing. So mm-hmm. when this guy's picture flashes up on the screen as perhaps the latest victim, right. she's going to say, well, no, we actually, we have him right here. Yeah, no, I, and on the other hand, this guy, you know, I, I can describe the guy that dropped him off. I figure that's going to happen, though. I figure that that's the thing, is McNulty's just getting more and more audacious, but more and more, you know, he's he's, he's totally going to, as they say, put himself in the jackpot there. He's He's got to be. He's got to He's going to end up screwing himself. He almost has to at this point. So, well, well anyway, uh, Sarah has a uh, loss. I just wanted to know, what did you think of last week's loss, Peter Carlin? Oh, I thought it was terrific. I know. I'm so, have you seen ahead, or are you um, on the same page no, as this common I'm, folk? No, I'm just right with the gang now. Oh, I'm so excited for this week. I really... Like the direction it's going, so I just want to. Do you have any? I don't know. Do you have anything you want to say about it? Um. Do I have anything I want to say about it? I don't know. Do you have any theories you want to hypothesize about? Or theories. um. Let me. Yeah. 
I, you know, I just think it's really. I mean, see, one of the there was an interesting dialogue on the um, on the blog that I've been writing about it from a couple, a few of the the, uh, the readers, and this one guy who who's been sort of arguing and, and with persuasively, I think that that lost greatest weakness is the writer's inability to leave anything. Uh, you know, to kind of connect every single aspect of the text to some sort of subtextual thing, and um, and and particularly that, uh, you know, everything kind of has a uh, every everything you see has some sort of intern you know some sort of cause that will ultimately be you know a direct cause that's going to ultimately be revealed you know, and every name has some significance and every little aspect of it sort of hooks up to some other aspect of it, which makes it more like a, you know, which is interesting and kind of fun, but on the other hand, it also sort of makes it a little less, I mean, I don't know, it's the word I'm looking for, um, at least less to the imagination, at least less, you know, nothing is unresolved, let's put it that way, whereas like the end of The Sopranos was completely unresolved, which I thought was, you know, the one thing that infuriated people, but to me made it just all the more fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in Lost, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I really, really love this show. It's, it's just, it's a different kind of experience. It's all about the complexity of the plot and, and, and all that. But the characters themselves, you know, there's not a lot of mystery or, or you have the sense that the mystery that exists will ultimately be, you know, resolved. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's more, when you look back subsequently, you'll be able to see that they were dropping hints left and right. And that's, you know, the show is kind of like a puzzle. It really is, and that's that's the thing that can keep you up in it when you think about it too long. We and have Rick's going to start watching it soon. I am. As soon as I'm, I'm busy, I'm finishing season three of Battlestar Galactica, and once I'm caught up with that, then I'm going to go back and catch up on Lost. And we have a coworker here who, and I'm sure everybody has this story. You probably have somebody like this. Coworker here who has a friend in the TV industry who flat out says, flat out, point blank, he knows what the island is. Um... And apparently the funny thing about it is this guy, this friend, says that he has asked four or five people. You can tell he's like bursting to tell somebody. He's like, I know what the island is. Do you want to know? And everybody's like, no, no, don't tell me. So this guy, if it is true that he knows, which he may or may not know, he's like in this weird position of having this information that like no one wants to hear. So anyway, so uh, when are we going to get you in studio? (sighs) Soon, I hope. But can I do the whole show? Like be your co-host? Sure. All right. Okay. Next week? Hey, pick a date. Uh, next week could work. Uh, pick what day works best for you. Do you want to say, uh, uh, possibly Friday? Mm, sure. Have... No, no, no. I, you know, you know, um, Aaron, uh, geek in the city, Duran, who's one of our film correspondents is a big fan of yours. So I know, that, <laughs> so I know that he would really enjoy that. Okay. I say, yeah, Friday, uh, Friday works for us. What day, the, what, 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 that would be the, the which day? I think that's, uh, I think it's the 22nd. 22nd? 22nd of, of yeah. February? Yeah. February. Yeah, I think I could do that. Yeah. And, All right. Uh, and see, and then he'd owe me favors forever. Who would owe you favors? Aaron Duran. Oh, really? No, he's a huge fan. Oh, sweet. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, well, let's tentatively do that. And if you want to come in and just you can, you can sit here the entire show, you you have carte blanche, as they say. Do I really? Yeah. I Bye. love having that kind of blanche. No. Carte blanche is the best kind of blanche. It is. Blanche right. is an unpleasant word. It really is. Doesn't blanche sound like some sort of a uh, like? In that case, a blanche. Exactly, but it'd be like something a tree gets, like something that a, like a willow gets, like some sort of a blight or something. The first Mrs. Carlin was named Blanche. Really? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't it be neat? 
All right. Peter Carlin, read, read him in print and the Oregonian or online at OregonLive.com. Thank you, sir. Hey, my pleasure. Bye now. There you go. All right. We'll be back after this to wrap it up. It's the Rick and Mr. Radio. Welcome. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, coming up tomorrow. Wait, what's today? Tuesday? Yeah. Coming up tomorrow, Mr. Skin. Coming up Thursday. Dorothy. You put more than two squirts. No. I can smell you from exactly over here. It's like a punch in the squirts. face. Oh, wow. Richie. That's really strong. Oh, man. I put exactly man. two squirts. What are you wearing? You're like eight feet away from me. Yes. It's, it's called P.S. Oh, okay. I... Um, yeah, we, okay, we really, we really have to get somebody to take oh. you to the mall and buy you some better cologne. Well, never mind, I don't have to talk about whatever It smells like one of those old men, like those old glass bottles you can find shaped in, like, kooky ways from the 40s and 50s. Totally, like, like an Avon decanter. Yes! You, Richie smells like an Avon decanter. Like an old ukulele. Really? The Avon, yeah. The Avon. The Avon lady, I was going to say, but. Mm-hmm. Do they still have Avon ladies? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Remember we had one come in. Well, he was an Avon well that was man. a Mary Kay guy. Oh, but Avon I thought might have been run out of business by this point, like Hydrox. Oh no. All right. Well, never mind. We'll talk about this other thing tomorrow. Um. Anywho, <laughs> uh, we want to thank CNN radio correspondent Steve Castamom, Lisa Desjardins from the Oregonian, Peter Carlin, and from K2, Carl Click. Watch him mornings five to seven, and again at noon. Uh, let's see. Rick Emerson show produced the David David, lovely and talented Sarah X Dillon for AM nine seventy Solid State Radio, a proud part of the CBS Radio family in the newsroom. Currently. On the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in. Uh, web mistress is Bridget from upstairs. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Reynolds. Don't cross her or you'll pay. Like us next. Donna Mike at 7. Uh, we'll see you in 20 hours. 20? Four-hour show. Bye. I regret nothing. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>